Hey, Andrew. Hey, Greg. Did you watch WandaVision? Yeah, dude. Uh, should we talk about WandaVision for too long? Yes. Okay. Uh, spoiler alerts for the television program, WandaVision. Yeah. There, we did it. Okay, what did you think of this television show called WandaVision? Well, I thought that it started off very strong and ended not great. So that averages out to just slightly above average <laughs> to average for me. Um, because even though there were some things I thought were done quite poorly, hmm. especially for an MCU product, uh, I felt that there was also a lot of good things that I'm not going to just throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, uh, I... Uh, where to You're going to throw the baby okay. out with the bathwater? Well, I don't, I mean, it's tough. Like, what does that, you know, like, what does that mean? Like, I kind of have to look at the thing as a, as a, as a, as a total, a, a, a total work. And I think that, I don't think it stuck the landing, but I think that them not sticking the landing also detracts from the whole picture. Uh, but anyway, let's start with the good things. Um, I think all of the performances were great. Um, I think everybody did a very good job. Um, I will say I enjoyed Randall Park, but he felt like he was in a different show in a way that didn't quite work for me. Mm. Um, and I, 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 I think this character actually premiered in one of the Ant-Man movies. Is that right? Correct. Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. And I think that that might just be a flaw of some of these characters that have come from very different movies with very different tones and styles coming together in ways. And sometimes that makes things a little rough. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, performances all around. Very good. Uh, Elizabeth Olsen did fantastic. Uh, kind of playing three characters simultaneously and letting various levels of Wanda show through at various points in a way that I thought was excellent. Um, and also um, managing a a pretty good because um, also so, OK, when I say like three levels of Wanda, there's like TV Wanda, right, which is whatever character she's playing in the TV meta TV episode they're in, right? Um, and then there's, you know, like, quote unquote, like normal Wanda, which is the character we know from, uh, the more recent movies. And then there's like witchy Wanda, who's, you know, red eyes, the accent comes back. She's very hostile. Right. And mm -hmm. so she's kind of managing those three different personalities and the, you know, just to add to the flex of it all, the TV Wanda changes each episode, right? She's right. so she's doing an excellent job from a technical performance perspective. Nothing but good things to say about what she did. Same thing for Paul Bettany. Um, I think he had less to do, um, which I think was a little bit disappointing. Um, but great. I, I if anything, this show makes me want more vision like i still feel like we have not spent enough time with that character yet um uh but yeah great performances all around Catherine hahn excellent when until the end <laughs> but that was yeah. not her fault yeah um yeah uh a totally great all around performance wise um 
And I think some of the technical things they did in the early episodes were very, very good. Um, there were times, and I think some of the kind of eras of TV they got better than others. I think the the first episode, the 50s episode, um, you know, they nailed everything. The lighting, the sound, the, um, you know, I, I read somewhere that they were even using like period correct lenses on the cameras um, to, and it had that feel of, you know, just like a higher resolution version of the Dick Van Dyke show. Um, yeah. Did you see that they filmed some of it in front of a live audience? That's ex- that that's good. Yes. Like it's all working the way, like all those things. Very good. Um, the sixties episode felt a little weaker. Cause I, I, I think the, like, what were, what show were they going for there? It didn't really read as well, as much as like a sitcom. Um, Anyway, you know, some of them worked a little bit better than others, but like the technical ability to like really recreate the feel of those older shows and then their ability to break that subtly when the reality would start to slip a little bit. Those were all very well done. Um, And there were some creepy moments like when she finds the helicopter in one of the episodes or when the guy comes out of the sewer in another episode, like the creepiness really worked. Um, so I think on a technical level, a lot of those things are, are really well done. The performance is really well done. Um, do you have anything else good to say about this television show? <laughs> yeah, um, I have just some things to elaborate on and some other things I really liked. Sure. Um, I will agree to you. I thought that not only was all that I agreed to everything you said, I thought that additional layer that they layered on top of some of the character performances was just that, like oftentimes everything was just slightly off, you know, like mm-hmm. it takes a little too long for someone to laugh or, you know, when the reality starts to break down and people are like getting kind of hitched, you know, like for lack of a better term. And they're like, just like not you know, everyone's just slightly off kilter. And I think it takes a lot of skill to make that like come across as purposeful and mm-hmm. Like, not just, like, bad act, you know, like, how do you draw a line between, like, oh, they're just doing a bad job of it or just, like, kind of half-assing it or just, like, no, you can, they took a lot of care to make you feel just, like, a little uncomfortable, like, most of the time. (laughs) Yes, and I think that these things, uh, they all, they are all very clearly, the, the, the people behind the show, you know, or at least, you know, from this kind of aspect of the creative element, like, they clearly have studied their David Lynch well, because those are things that David Lynch will very much use to create a sense of unease and strangeness where like he'll deliberately cast amateur actors um, and put them next to professional actors because that uh, dissonance makes you, the viewer, uncomfortable and draws your attention to the fact that you are watching a TV show or watching a movie. Um, and he'll also do things with like the timing of things. Like you say, like it just took, takes someone just a little too long to laugh or, um, you know, a, a shot will linger a little longer than feels right. Um, he does all those things very intentionally. And this show used a lot of those techniques. Um, I think anyone who has a comparison with this show, uh, vis-a-vis David Lynch that goes any further than that, uh, needs to watch out for me on the street because i'm going to start a fight with them but uh yeah no i think all of that from me (laughs) very technically like technically well done in this respect um 
Yeah, sorry. I, I interrupted no, no. your list. No, no. Uh, agreed. Um, I really just think, and I'll, I want to, I'll just preface, not before, before I go into the bad, more good things, but I really think the back half of this is where it just went off the rails. I mean, not even the back half, the last just like episode two or two pieces of episodes before that that then just didn't matter. So, but before I get to that point, um, I liked the initial setup of the outside perspective. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fun. You know, I like the characters. I do agree with you. We said about about Agent Agent Wu feeling slightly off of place, but it still was fun. Um, good use of characters to come back and some growth in a character there from his perspective in Ant Man and the Wasp is very different. Um, not very different, but a little different than it is in this. Um, you know, I I liked Monica's introduction, like that mm-hmm. scene at the hospital where people are coming back was just like, this is fucked up, dude. <laughs> like. Mm-hmm. Seeing, you know, I love this, um, you know, the juxtaposition of like, yeah, that happened. And like, where were people at and how are people handling it? And this is like re-traumatizing, right? Like all these people for all these different reasons. And, um, you know, and, and this is the trend that I find that the show did was like it put so much on the table and then just like didn't do anything with it. Mm-hmm. Um, before I get there, <laughs> I like the Quicksilver fake out. That made me laugh. Sure. Um, I like I like the meta joke of it, and I like there was a sadist in me that enjoyed watching all these stupid theories come up and then be like destroyed and come up new ones come up and then then be destroyed. And some of it was just clickbait garbage. I was you know slightest point the slightest point there wasn't a slightly larger, bigger bad at play here. Although so, yeah, well let's yeah, so maybe I, we'll I, get there, but I agree. Um, I mean, I think that. I mean, I think that we were all probably a little too optimistic that they were going to, in this television show, somehow connect all these dots, you know, and like, oh, they're going to fold in the X-Men movies and this is going to be the way they do it. Like, that was probably optimistic of us. What's disappointing to me is that Evan Peters is so fucking good and he barely gets to be in the X-Men movies and then... It's very clear that we will not be seeing any more of him in the Marvel movies. It's mm. stop wasting Evan Peters. Yeah, that's um, fair. So that was I to me, that was more disappointing than some kind of, you know, connecting the dots of canon. But it's just, you know, I was for, you know, after, uh, you know, the, the, the Quicksilver episode, I was really, really hopeful that this was going to be the Mephisto twist and Evan Peters was going to be Mephisto going forward mm, mm-hmm. or Blackheart, at least, because then I was like, now I'm going to get to see more Evan Peters in a show that isn't American Horror Story, which continues to disappoint me for decades. <laughs> but he's he's in all of them and is good in them. But uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fair. Um, I obviously I liked I agree with you. I liked, you know, Catherine Hanna's Agatha up until the last episode, mm. um, which I say but not her, again, that was not her not fault. Her fault. I don't think. <laughs> um I liked Wanda's takedown of Agatha. While that fight was kind of lame in a macro sense, the conclusion to it I liked. Like that felt maybe a little telegraphed, but I still it was still was like I'm like, what is she doing? And like, oh, she made the runes. Oh, okay, that's the thing from earlier. Okay, yeah. Um, I I don't know, man. I, maybe it's just the effects they put on or whatever. But like, I really like the costume, like the proper Scarlet Witch like mantle slash costume coming up. Like that was. First, I really liked it. Um, I don't love the way White Vision looks, but yeah, 
uh, I, I agree. It looked unfinished. And also, did I miss a post credit scene where they introduced him in this after the yes. second to last episode? OK, yes. Good, because he showed up and the show was like, oh, it's that guy. I was like, what the fuck? Yeah. OK. <laughs> yeah. If you hadn't seen that, did you see both uh, after credit ep- scenes? I, after the I finale? saw I saw both and um, uh, promptly did not care about either one of them. <laughs> Okay, we'll get there. I just want to make sure you sell them. Um, yeah. yeah, they introduced it at the end of one of them. Um, Hayward was okay. like, I, I, something. I figured as much. And while we're while we're on that subject, did they in that same scene, did they also tie up the loose end of like the video footage showing Wanda stealing the body? No. OK. All right. We'll um, talk about that later. Yeah, we will. Uh, I liked. However, I did like the vision versus white vision logic fight. Yeah. Um, I thought it was like a clever, I mean, you know, it was fun seeing them throw each other around for a little while. And then it was like, it's very visiony to end in like a philosophical, logical puzzle to, right. you know, I, I, I enjoyed that bit quite a bit. Talk. And I, I mean, overall, I had to say like anything involving like Wanda or Vision I and them together. And I will say that I think I had a higher than average affinity for both of them and them together than other people. Because a lot of people came to this show being like, I don't care about these characters at all. They didn't them and their relationship does nothing for me in the movies. And I didn't have a particular affinity from the comics. I just thought that for whatever reason, a lot of their moments in the movies landed for me in a way. I don't think it landed Hmm. for a lot of other people. So I was coming in with like a little bit more investment, I think. So that puts me a little bit more emotionally tied to them. Like I thought like the end, like, you know, uh, when she's saying goodbye to the kids and saying goodbye to him, I was just like, this is very tough. Like I, I'm feeling a lot right now. Oh. Um, uh, hmm. That's pretty much where my likes end. Okay. All right. Uh, was there anything, let's start this way. Is there anything that I said that you dramatically disagree with? Um. So you, so, so yes, two things. One, you said you liked how Wanda, Ended up, you know, doing the old uh, tricky reverso on Agatha. Mm-hmm. I have problems with that. And uh, also, uh, <laughs> your feelings are wrong. <laughs> no, um, the the ending, I felt like the emotional climax um, was uh, uh, was a big nope for me. OK, um, and I guess I'll start there. It's. How am I supposed to care about her saying goodbye to Vision and the kids after we've established that they're not real, that these are just figments of her imagination that she's saying goodbye to? And the show frames it as though they're all saying goodbye to one another, which I'm like, but this is she's just saying goodbye to her toys, right? How can I... How can I feel anything about this? I understand it might be somewhat difficult for her, but she also knows that they're fake, that they're just illusions that she made for herself. Um, so to me, that like that was that was much cheapened. Plus the fact that we know that uh, Vision is getting some kind of real world resurrection, right? Because he basically rebooted his you know now evil alter self right like the body that was rebuilt he 
rebooted the personality. So, so in the outside world, there is a version of Vision that, you know, just picks up right after, right up, you know, right after Thanos killed him. So to me, there's no like emotional weight to, to the ending because it's just like, well, there's another vision out there that she can just go and be like, hey, cool. So we're good, right? <laughs> and the kids were never real to begin with. And even and, and even the, the vision within the hex was really just her projection of him. So I just don't know how I'm supposed to care about those characters. You know, it's like a holodeck episode of Star Trek. Mm. Well, I would say that what I felt and, you know, one thing about the white vision or whatever they're calling him um, is, you know, I think to me and this is probably thinking a little bit of just some, some things I read around the peripheral of just like. Without the Mind Stone, he is still not going to be the vision that, like, he's going to have the memories of that vision, but is not going to have the same, necessarily the same capacity for, like, human, whatever you want to call it, a soul, a human emotion, you know, however we're going to frame it. Like, that's sort of, like, what was implied to me is that he's just going to be, like, much more robotic, but who knows? We'll see where yeah. that goes. Um, but, the, but, but the show didn't sell me on that, right? Yeah. And maybe, I, maybe, yeah. I think for me, I think that, like, yeah, you're right, they're not real. But A, they're real to her. And B, even though she knows, and that part of that that realization is that, I guess, is I think it's what it's trying to do. And I'm not saying did it perfectly, because there's a lot left on the table about, you know, because I think my two questions about this show, you know, we talk about, like, what's the point, right? What's the show trying to tell us or show uh -huh. us? To me, there was two things. It's like, did the show deliver on Wanda and Vision as a unit as something we care about like overall minus maybe a blip at the end like yes for me did the show deliver on exploring grief and trauma right whatever how uh -huh. those go fit, fit together and like almost um interestingly the reason i don't think you, you'd probably say no because of that scene doesn't make any sense mine is for not so much for a different reason but i'll get there i would just say that i think that her like it was almost like a simultaneous realization that like yes they aren't real and her saying goodbye is is her processing her grief at what could like she's saying goodbye to what could have been and what she had before because she doesn't know there's another vision out there. Um, sure. Ostensibly. So like she's finally properly processing her grief and accepting. And that's hard. There's also a sense to me that's like they weren't and this is where we get more in the sci fi, you know, shenanigans of just like, well, they weren't real, but they seem pretty like sentient when they were in there you know yeah. and then we get the little blip at the end it's like maybe there's a piece of them that's still real somewhere i don't know but and that's that's, just... that's something we're gonna have to get to about you know are were they sentient what was the nature of their the nature of their existence uh etc etc but to this point of an exploration of grief i think it's what the show wanted to do but i think it dropped the ball it mm -hmm. because so the setup is uh, Wanda, in order to uh, escape from her own reality, uh, basically escapes into the comforting world of sitcoms, right? The cost for this is she's actually like mind controlling an entire town to go along with all of this for her, right? Um, uh, so there is there is an external cost to her escapism. Um, good. Uh, but there does not appear to be an internal cost for her to, for the escapism. Um, and there's no compelling thing in the outside world 
that's that's showing us because she's still here in her world of grief and you know in her her inward looking world um she is somehow like uh uh, like uh, like she's there's something she's missing in the outside world or the outside world needs her but she is incapable of engaging right so and the cost right of her like she mind controls all these people at the end of the show they're just like Meh, i guess it's fine now right yeah that's like, where i we, that's where i have no sense that like that that's gonna matter oh and by the way even if somehow she's got some magic trick to make everybody in Westview not care about those two weeks where she like mind raped them. Uh, she left a she left a brainwashed witch in their town. Like so, there's so it, it, there's no we as the viewer don't feel any tension around like. Should she stay in the dream world or should she come out? Right. We don't we you know what I mean? We're just kind yeah. of along for the ride. So that's why I feel like it's not a full it doesn't really deliver on the whole like exploration of grief and escapism, because at the end of the day, there's no cost to her escapism. There's no missed opportunities. There's no long term damage to anyone. In fact, she comes out of it stronger than ever, right? But she right. comes out of it stronger than ever and not in a way that like, uh, so let's compare this to The Babadook, which is a horror movie uh, that is a meditation on grief and um, spoilers for The Babadook. But the, the, the monster, The Babadook, represents the, the main character's grief and the way that she overcomes The Babadook is not to kill it with some magic spell. She just locks it in her basement because what she has come to realize is that you can't defeat something like this. You have to learn to live with it. So that's how the character grows. She stops fighting it and she learns to accept it, not to like embrace it, but be like, this is going to be a part of our lives for a while and we have to figure out how to live with it. So we actually see some character growth. Um, but it's not without cost, right? She goes through a har harrowing ordeal. But Wanda, like, she basically, uh, she she retreats into this into this grief world, manipulates an entire town for weeks, months, who knows? Um, jeopardizes the lives of countless sword personnel. Um, and at the end of all of this, she walks away more powerful, but not more powerful because she like learned something about herself or learn to accept something about herself or anything like that. She just kind of was like, oh, yeah, I guess I'll be a witch. Boop, boop. Here we go. Like, you know what I mean? And I feel like the show could have got there. Like if they if, if, if we had spent a little less time uh, up our own asses about like how um, how clever we are reproducing old TV shows and set up a little bit more about like her own internal conflict. What is it that she's trying to overcome? Uh, and also the limits of her powers and Agatha's powers, et cetera, et cetera. You know, her eventually becoming the Scarlet Witch could have meant more to us. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I would agree with all that. I think that I'm slightly softer on her own personal journey and just like I did feel like her power came through some acceptance, both of everything that had happened to her up to that point and sort of the 
sly little retcon that, oh, maybe she was a witch before she got mega juiced by the Mind Stone and whatever. Um, that this is sort of like, you know, the, the natural, like the trajectory of her life and she's accepting that. But where I really agree with you is on the external ramifications, right? Like literally, you know, when you've got freaking, I forget the actress, the actress name, but you know, the mom from that 70s show saying, if you're not gonna let us go, just kill us. Yeah. Like I was like, holy shit. Like, cause you, you know, you see like that she's hurting them, but the extent is not really clear you know for a little while you can tell it's bad but like you know then when she said that and the other woman's talking about her kid and she hasn't seen her and it's like oh my god like this is horrible and like then she just like they all just like give her the stink eye and she flies away and it's just like "Um, yeah no like that that felt bad to me and who knows maybe and and one thing i'm trying to one thing i don't want to do is rely on other things but i also want to keep in mind that like and we'll talk about it more but like you know there's a little couple couple of things in here that like some of my gripes could not be rectified, but there'd be like alleviated a little bit. Maybe there's something that we see that happens down the road in Doctor Strange with her or whatever that like does it. But I don't want that. Like that should have happened here. You know, that does happen there. Like it should have happened here. And mm-hmm. like you said, it just didn't feel like the ramifications of or like, let's say in another classic sort of comic booky thing to do where like she's kind of doing the bad thing to them. But then like Hayward you know, is trying to kill them all or something and she saves them and it's kind of like right. a, a wash or whatever. And it's like, okay, so I, I really, yeah. Or like Agatha is like, I'm actually been secretly draining them this whole time and you, you know, whatever. But it really just, that felt like a big, big miss and really then gutted sort of that tension you felt throughout the whole show of like, what is she doing to these people? Like, and yeah. like, what the hell? Right. So Yeah. So that wasn't I agree with you on that. And that to me, that's probably the that paired with the complete uh, inconsequential nature of the outside the hex characters. Oh, boy. In this show, like those two things are the biggest failures of the show. In my oh, opinion. yeah. I, that, I mean, the whole outside the hex storyline was such a waste of time. And, and like I said, I liked how it started. I'm like, this is exactly when I kind of needed some more because I was like, all right, I'm getting the, you know, this is cool, but I, I need a little more like what the fuck's going on. And it came right at the right time. And I liked the characters they introduced and I liked Monica. And I'm like, I'm seeing where they're going with this. But then the second half of that, once again, I just think the second half of the show, the things just went off, like fell apart. And, well, and you could... You could kind of see it coming a mile away of like, oh, boy, you know, this is going to be a um, there's the hacker character who stares at computer screens and and shouts instructions to the two people with guns like, oh, God, not this. Please, not this. Um, and, and yeah, it just it doesn't matter because the mystery of the hex, like by episode two, you're like, OK, I got it. She's she's made a she's made a pocket reality and and they're on the outside. Okay, cool. Uh, And then like it wasted another four episodes, like pretending that's not what was going on. (laughs) And then uh, once once you get there, you're like, oh, I don't really. okay, I don't really. None of this is helping, you know? Yeah. And like I would have been okay with it if it was just, you know, if it was just Kat Dennings and Randall Park, just like chilling and being just our point of view on the outside. But the inclusion of. Monica Rambeau. I don't know the actor's name off the top of my head. I'm a bad person. Um, but like her character is cool. And the idea they had about like, oh, she's also processing her grief and like trauma. And like if that would have had anything to do with Wanda 
processing it, it exactly. would have been good. But she basically just said like, you're okay by in my book, kid. Like, and like, and like, and like didn't even plot wise, didn't really what she saved the kids, I guess, kind of. Oh, well, they kind okay. of seem to have it under control themselves just fine because they're also OP. they're not real. Yeah. Also, they're <laughs> like, not real. They're um, illusions. This is the yeah. first time. I mean, I could be wrong, but in, from my perspective, this is the first time where I think Marvel like jumped the shark including stuff to set up future things at the expense of the current story. There's been things that have been superfluous and like extra and and not necessary, but I've never felt like they've hurt the current story, which has been, I think the way they balance things really well so far, but yeah, I think that, I mean, there, there was a great opportunity here to show Monica's story as a parallel to Wanda's. Mm-hmm. to kind of show two different ways of processing grief and then we can because they they, they were they, they 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 were there but we didn't get enough time with monica to understand like to see it was kind of like oh she's grieving too and then by episode three it was like ah, forget about that um it and then okay and this is a nitpicky thing but um, and maybe this ties into your point about, you know, uh, you know, they're kind of sacrificing good stuff in order to set up other things. But her getting powers was the most rushed and hacky thing I've seen out of the Marvel group in such a long time. It's just like, oh, uh, if you go in the hex, like screws with your DNA or something. OK, fine. And then she's like, I got to get back in the hex. And this truck that we spent six hours explaining how important it was, it, it, it didn't work. Who would have guessed? Um, but I'm just, so I'm just going to walk through because reasons. And then while I'm in there, I'm going to experience flashbacks because reasons. And then I'm going to get powers because reasons. But also the powers I get are going to be what the fuck ever the writers need me to have to get other characters out of a certain situation. Uh, Just unbelievably dumb. Yeah. And I feel like and I actually think like my and I'll tack on with like some of the more dumb like, come on, guys. What like who are you who made this Hayward? Like who it's like the most 2D like character like comically bad character by MCU standards at this point. Like we've had some like kind of just meh villains, but like this guy is like, I mean, there's better villains on like shield or, or, you know, whatever else. Like he had, we have no idea what his motivations were really, I guess to resurrect vision for some reason. Like there was a moment where, you know, when, when they show what actually happened when she's at the facility, yeah, you know, when she goes in and, and like the things he was saying to her, I was like, He's he's some other guy like something's going on here. Like right. the things he said, I was like, I don't know, man, this guy's coming across weird. Like you could tell he was kind of baiting her. And but then that like, I guess he did that. But then what like it just felt like I had no idea what his plan was or why. And right. then he's sort of just like a evil guy at the end who's just shooting people randomly. Yeah, I, I just felt like really, really bad. And he gets defeated by like Kat Dennings, like runs a car into his car. And then he's like, oh, I guess you got me. Yeah. Yeah. It was just it was really bad. And I mean, they could have done. I mean, honestly, when he was basically saying like, yeah, like I can't just let you just go and bury like eight billion dollars worth of nuclear weapons. Wanda. Like, yeah, that I was makes like, sense. Yeah. <laughs> Fair point, dude. And she was um, like 
fuck. And then she left, you know, it was just like, okay. Yeah, and she was like, she was like, yeah, good point. And then again, <laughs> very nitpicky thing. Um, but this is going to ladder up to a, a bigger point. I promise. Uh, then she goes out to her car and finds, uh, the deed to the property in Westview, which cute, but it forced me to ask myself the question, can a robot get a mortgage in the MCU? <laughs> I mean, like, you're friends with Tony Stark. You can probably do whatever the fuck you want, but. Well, yeah, but, but, but this is, this is part of the, like, but, and this is also after we spent an entire, you know, five, 10 minutes explaining to Wanda that the rest of the world sees him as a robot, right? They see him as a toaster. And, and then it's like, oh, but he bought a unfinished plot of land in New Jersey. Um, <laughs> wait, what? Does that mean that like, but he's a robot. What are the Avengers paying him? What, what, right. Why does a robot yeah. who can phase through matter need money? A lot of weird questions here that be, a, 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 and I'm only asking them because the show put me in the frame of mind to be thinking about how the rest of the world views vision, right? Mm -hmm. This is their fault. This is not me being a nitpicky shithead. I mean, it might be, but it's not. Um, <laughs> But that brings me to a bigger point, which is, and I try not to get like too nitpicky about like, you've got to explain everything to me. I mean, like, I obviously am not that guy, but in a show like this, where you've got superhuman things going on, you've got, you know, um, futuristic technology, all of those things, you need to clearly delineate what your characters are capable of and what is a threat to them, right? Um, because I need to know when Wanda is in danger and I need to know like what is what is within her capabilities to escape from any particular situation. Um, same thing for, you know, any of the super powered characters in the show. You need to, you know, like, look, we all know Superman is vulnerable to kryptonite. We all know Superman can fly and he's strong and, he, you know, but you don't just invent new powers for Superman in the middle of a movie uh, because that takes away any drama. Right. I have to know what the limits of my characters are. Now, when I'm watching a normal movie where people don't have superpowers, I don't need I don't need a scene to explain to me that. Uh, a stab wound would hurt them. But in a, in a movie where, or a show where superpowers are going on and I'm supposed to like feel tension and drama when Wanda's having her big magic fight with Agnes. But I, I, I don't know what either one of them can do. So it's all just dragon ball. Like, Oh, now they're shooting red balls at each other. Cool. Well, I guess <laughs> Wanda can teleport now. All right, whatever. You know what I mean? It's, and, yeah. and the show leaves so much of that just like doesn't give a shit. And then also same thing with Monica. Like, so it seems like, okay, so she comes through the hex up. Oh, her eyes changed color. Definitely got some powers. Fine. And then we see slightly later in that episode, she shows up and does some like super strength stuff. Cool. Got it. Fine. I, I understand she's got some, you know, but then next episode, she's like slowing bullets by phasing them through her body and it's like, what? <laughs> you have to set these things up, man. Yeah, that was the only one that I felt was because like it's like, OK, so she, she, clearly, she clearly can see some sort of like energy, whatever. And then you see it used on Ralph Boner. Um, I did giggle at that jag, that gag, by the way, um, only because he giggled at it. But um, but then like the phasing thing, I was like, OK, well, now you're just not once again. Now you're right. just trying to say like, yeah, she's got this other power that we're going to have to show in the next movie. Didn't you see that? And it's like, OK. 
Um, I I will agree. The last fight really frustrated me oh. um, for those reasons you said. I did like bits of it. Like I said, I liked her costume. The effects like weren't bad for TV. No. Um, it, and I, I mean, I just it just felt really like yeah, just throwing big balls of energy at each other. And like the I did like when they when she didn't like that she disappeared randomly, but then I did like when she was able to uh, when she like got behind her and mind controlled her and they used the same like musical cue and sound sound effect from when she did that in age of ultron that was a nice throwback um but yeah yeah just like it it made it just like it really pulled the the fun and the energy out of agatha's character yes um because i I also did and and this thing of like i mean i i I did really like the, the the element of the runes like i liked it visually like you know the these gigantic like skyscraper sized you know runes floating in the air i was like that's a powerful visual but it didn't like it's like when did she do that and what you know what about her um uh like what uh, what did she what changed in her that allowed her to do this right mm-hmm. we didn't see that like so for, so for example in doctor strange um which is not a great movie but just as a as a as an example the way he ends up defeating Dorma, uh, Dorma, Mama, Mama, Mamu is to basically he creates this time loop that causes him to die like ten thousand deaths so that he can eventually outsmart Dormammu, right? And um, and what that symbolizes in his character arc is he has finally accepted some degree of selflessness, right? Because we've seen this character of um, Tony Stark, I mean Stephen Strange. Like, just be this incredibly selfish prick. Um, But then he, like, you know, in the end, he martyrs himself countless times, right? Over and over and over and over again, he has to die these torturous deaths. And you're like, a bit on the nose, but at least I see, like, he had to, in order for him to level up and beat the boss, he had to actually grow as a character. Um, or we have to see the character make some kind of sacrifice to, to you know, to, to get over the hump to beat the bad guy. And in this, it was just kind of like, oh, she, she did it. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, what did, you know? I think and there was they nothing- were going for, and I think so the, other, the other side of Doctor Strange thing was that they're trying to show... A, yes, you're right. The selflessness of that, but also like his creative use of magic, his mastery of the yeah. magic. And I think that's kind of what they're trying to go for with her of like the acceptance that because she keeps saying, like, I'm not a witch. I'm not I'm not doing magic, whatever. I think they were trying to go for like her accepting that, like, no, I am doing magic. And I, yes. you know, I, I'm I was smart enough to when I was trapped and like looked at your stuff and recreated what you did. I learned from you. Now I can synthesize that and accept that not only is she accepting her grief she's accepting her like who she is what she is i just don't think they nailed that no and i think i i think that's a failure of of setup like i definitely see that's what they were reaching for but there's nothing about that where i felt like there was any real like cost to her accepting that she's a witch right yeah. Like, what does that mean for her character? We don't know because we haven't prepped it at all. Like, it's it, it, everything up until that was like Agatha's like, you're a witch. And Wanda's like, I'm, I don't I don't know. That doesn't sound right. You know, it's not like so a comparison that kept coming to mind for me was Hellboy here. 
um, because one of the big, you know, ongoing conflicts in Hellboy is he is, you know, the the prophesized beast of Armageddon. Like he is the son of the devil whose whole destiny is to destroy the earth. And he is forever rejecting that. And, um, uh, you know, he, he's he's con- continually tempted by that power and continually rejects it. Right. Because he likes people and he likes the world. Um, so but you but you understand the tension and it's 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 kind of obvious because obviously we're on the side of humans, not demons. But <laughs> you understand the you understand what's at stake of him you know, accepting when the flaming crown appears over his head and his horns grow back. Like you understand what's what's going to happen if he goes down that road. We have no idea what it means to Wanda to accept that she's a witch or what it means in the larger context of the Marvel Universe, because this is the first time we've ever talked about fucking witches, you know, so it's not like this necessarily. It's like, what does that mean? It's just it's just a word at this point. It doesn't. Yeah, there's nothing. Yeah, I think that that's the uh, in, in the broader sort of more plot plot areas of the failure is that, you know, Agatha saying all these things at the end, like you don't know what you've done. You know, you don't know what you like. She's hinting at something more that I assume will matter at some point. But that's not really once again, like you got to do the story you're doing now yeah you can build some 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 things but like one thing i'm trying to keep in mind here that like it still doesn't fix any of these things but i just don't know um we can talk more about this then but on the original marvel schedule before coronavirus this was supposed to come out like in the fall of last year is that right i pulled up here just double check originally this was supposed to come out in no in december when it did come out and then doctor strange 2 is supposed to come out in may so they're supposed to be like much closer together Hmm. so like once again like if we go to that movie and like she's fuck stuff up again it's like a that diminishes what we did here um i'll get to that point but also be like it could help in some ways as it it should have happened in this show and i think i have two solutions that could have i think done a lot better and i know this is my go-to for a lot of things but i think it could have just stood to be a little longer but also by cutting either cutting some of the outside the heck stuff and maybe just cutting Monica all together, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, because if it was just like a perspective thing from like them watching the TV and trying to figure out what's going on and having no real effect on the inside of the hex. Like that would be a fine framing device by me. Um, or, or, or you, or you flesh out those stories a lot more so that Monica is a lot more involved in the conclusion and that Hayward's motivations make sense. And that, you know, all these, and like we have time to kind of learn, more of like what Agatha's motivations are and what what mm-hmm. it means for Wanda to become a witch and for Wanda to process. I think we just like needed this a little bit more in a couple areas that really could have like sh- connected the story and and landed stuck the landing as opposed to kind of like it just felt so rushed is not the right right word, but like disjointed. And like you're just like, I can yeah. see the pieces on the table, but they weren't put together correctly. I, I, I think that the, the, the flaw here is they spent too much time in TV land that see i just i I don't agree some of that stuff was was good and it was fun to watch but you reach a point where you're like i i i I get it you know i understand the framing device here i see what we're going for i understand the i understand the metaphor um and then i feel like we went on for one or two episodes too long 
Um, and yeah, I think I, that I kind of want to give it another watch, like all together and see how I feel. I think I was so into like the intrigue and the theories and stuff that I was yeah. just, like in it. But I, I just I felt like I really liked the pacing of the first like half to even past half because I thought that the way it was sort of dragging it out in a was like like worked for me. I'm just like, yeah. It did kind of slowly then, layering it out and then they just like rush it all at the end and it's like, OK, right. well, don't do that. And 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 either. So so that's what I mean. Either spend less. So not necessarily spend less time in TV land, but less time proportional to, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, The balance is off. So either you need more episodes at the end, few episodes. At the end, I don't you know, you, you get it. Um, yeah. But uh, because we get to the Agatha twist and then we've got two episodes. And also, we did a thing that I hate, and I've talked about it before, but we get to the Agatha twist. We build up. We've got all this momentum. Big twist. And then let's do a quiet, subdued flashback episode. <laughs> I fucking hate that. Uh, every time. And, 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 and I don't know why TV shows feel like it's the prestige TV thing to do. I hate it. Um, because also, it's like, I didn't. I didn't need anybody to hold my hand and tell me that like, oh, she uses TV as an escape. Yeah, fucking obviously, guys, we just spent six episodes with her rebuilding television shows around her to hide from reality. Like, I don't need you to then outline it for me and show me a flashback where she watches every episode. You know what I mean? Yeah, it was a little bit unnecessary for sure. Again, and this is a nitpicky thing, but is it a little weird to you that within the Marvel Universe... There is an actor named Brian Cranston who was on a television show called Malcolm in the Middle. <laughs> um, I that doesn't bother me. So it, it for some reason it gets weird for me when I see stuff like that, and I almost would have preferred if like when we were in Sokovia in the flashback, which was unnecessary to begin with. But if it wasn't if it wasn't the Dick Van Dyke show, if it was like the Rick Van Dyke show or something. You know how like other things do it where they mm-hmm. and I know that like, oh, it's, you know, because Disney owns all this stuff now. They want, you know, well, let's do it, you know, um, but it's just that's where it, it gets a little bit strange for me because then it's like, well, OK, so if Brian Cranston is, you know, it, if Malcolm in the Middle exists in this world, that means Brian Cranston exists in this world, which means does Breaking Bad exist in this world and uh you know and then you start to get into questions like i'm sure if i thought hard enough about it i would find situations where like six degrees of you know yeah Downey jr or whatever right yeah <laughs> um, oh, it doesn't wait. bother me i mean they've made so many pop culture references throughout the Marvel movies that it doesn't really i just it's just but not. this one was a little too a little too close for me but that's again mm. a nitpicky thing but yeah. i feel like if we spend a little bit more time um, establishing, like you say, Agatha, her motivations, um, because also it's like, okay, so she's like a, she's like a, a power vampire or something. Like, okay. I get it, I guess. Um, but if she's a power vampire and she just wants to leech Wanda's power, like, why didn't she just, just do that? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's, it's weird. Like why it, these little things of, you know, getting a little bit more established about what everybody wants, um, mm-hmm. And also just like a little bit of like elaboration on like there's kind of a, an edge to her where she's just like, not only am I doing this because I'm greedy and I want your power, but, you know, you get a vibe that like, I don't know, maybe she's not evil. She just like 
And then she's kind of implying that like you're going to do really you're doing bad shit with your power right now and you're going to do even worse shit. So like I'm going to take it because you can't you aren't responsible enough to like handle right. this. And I'm like, OK, I'm kind of interested in that angle. And then it's just like Dragon Ball Z fight. And it's like, OK, whatever. Right. Um, and then like even at the end, you know, she's like, you don't know what you've done, blah, blah. blah. And it's like, <sighs> I, know, I don't know she what has, she's done either. I don't know what she's done either. <laughs> and like, I'm not going to know for what, three years, potentially, like whatever this fucking timeline is. But like, yeah, you know, and like, you know, she has the dark hold, which like, you know, was a dip was also a thing in Ace of S.H.I.E.L.D. So I that's the only reference I know to it because I'm not super in touch with like the magical side of the Marvel universe, Marvel comic universe, at least. But I mean, it's, like, it's, it's, it's called the dark hold. Like it's, it's looks evil. It's an evil book. So once again, you have this sort of conflated ending where you have this sort of like, she just mind raped a town for two weeks plus to the point where they would rather be dead. Yes. And then she leaves with her head between her, you know, tail between her legs. I that almost came out wrong. Um, yeah, but also, but also kind of not. But also kind of not. Monica basically gave her a, a thumbs up. Yeah, it was kind of a hashtag girl boss ending. Right. And then she also gets this like kind of cathartic, not happy, but, you know, like we'll just say cathartic ending with her, you know, reining the hex in and saying, quote unquote, goodbye to the, you know, the figments and, you know, releasing these people. Okay. And then you get, and then, you know, you get to the after credit scene and it's like, okay, so now she's pulling some next level Doctor Strange stuff, but she's reading the evil book. And you're like, right. well, what does that mean for her? Like, yeah, <laughs> I just feel like mean? I don't know where she, and I don't know which way I want to go because <sighs> to have her end just like going not full villain, but like really going off the deep end or something would have been interesting, but also would have, you wouldn't have had some of the nicer cathartic stuff that i did like but i just don't know how you do both at the same time and it feels a little muddled to me maybe that will be clarified over time which is possible but i just feel like it's not right now i'm just like i don't know what i'm supposed to think of wanda which is not a great place to end the show and there are ways to do that where that's more compelling and it's like oh yeah i don't know where she lands If, if she if she comes out of this as a hero or a villain i don't know and um that ambiguity needs to be more clearly communicated. Like, is that an ambiguity that you as the creators of the show are trying to do? Or is this an ambiguity just that feels um, because it feels unfinished or feels rushed? Right. And to me, any ambiguity at the end does not feel intentional. Um, I mean, I think the idea of, um, you know, and you could just uh, a couple little changes. Where Agatha, you know, talking about like, oh, you don't know what you've done. You know, what would have been more compelling there and given more ambiguity is if she said something like, it's not what you've done. It's what you were going to do next. And then we get the creepy shot of her camped out in the wilderness, potentially researching ways to just do this all again, but better. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like that would be, you know, like. Or, you know, actually confront the idea that, yeah, actually Wanda's not confronting her grief. She's just looking for a better illusion, you know, Mm -hmm. like that could be that's compelling and powerful and kind of hinted at, but not at all. But but I'm reaching for that. Like, I'm you know what I mean? I shouldn't have to reach for that. Yeah. 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 I I just feel it's it's disappointing because I was really, really like all in on the show, you know, in a way that was fun. And, you know, I still enjoyed it the whole time. The last episode, I definitely felt disappointed. 
um, at the end. But like uh, I said, uh, still pieces I liked, but... I was actively angry at the last episode. Oh, um, I know. Your wife was texting me. I enjoyed... I enjoyed everything <laughs> up until that... Well, other than the... The, the truck. You know, the... Uh, well, the, yeah, I mean, there were some cringy moments, but also, like, I understand this is a superhero television show, and this is a genre that is still finding its footing, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm comfortable with a couple, like... Ugh, clunky scenes and stuff that doesn't quite work. Um, you know, I, I, I'm fine with that. Um, but yeah, the last two episodes that, you know, made me active. I, I was willing to give them a little bit of a pass on the second to last stupid, like slam the brakes for a flashback. Mm-hmm. Um, and to hold the audience's hand. <laughs> like, Hey, d- I, for you dummies in the back, here's what's happening. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I was ready to forgive them for that, but then, oof, there was just so much wrong with the last episode. Also, Catherine Hahn's makeup was changing from shot to shot. Come on, guys. Yeah, like, it was weird. Some sometimes she was in like super like witchy, but also like uh, kind of drag queeny makeup. You know, <laughs> like really exaggerated, really going for a look, um, which I didn't uh, didn't work. And then like also, you know, she's this like. And also the, the 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 change in her character when she goes villain, I felt like was such like so bad because the whole time, you know, she's this really compelling kind of mysterious but fun to watch, you know, sidekick throughout the whole show. And then the it was Agatha all along reveal, which that little had that thing had so much personality and mystique to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, and then we get to and then once the twist is over and she's in full on villain mode, she's just she's written just like any other generic ass comic book villain, you know, yeah. yep. like all that personality is gone. Um, all that uniqueness is gone. And even the costume like, you know, She's been she's had these great outfits the whole time and it's been implied that, oh, she's she's not at all subject to the illusion. Right. Mm-hmm. She's she's making these costumes to fit in. Right. And then she shows up in this like spirit Halloween style Wicked Witch outfit. Yeah. Yeah. That was really disappointing. Yeah. Um, you know, honestly, like I, I would have liked to have just seen her just in like whatever the last outfit she was wearing. That's what she's doing when she's levitating with the kids, you know? Yeah. No, that yeah, would have been sure. so much cooler. Um, and then like that. And because of that, like the fight, it just did that kind of thing where like not that the effects were inherently bad, but just that they were like, like you're just obfuscating her through lots of like cloudy blackness and her you know tendrils out of her outfit and like you can't even like you just lose all the personality and right it just felt very bland because of that which is not what like she was so and and you go from such such really uh like really excellent uh, kind of conceptual portrayals of magic in dr strange where like they're not just throwing fireballs at each other. They're fucking playing with space and time and like collapsing dimensions on each other to like trap each other in buildings. Like that's so cool. And I mean, not just visually exciting, but like it's such a neat and unique uh, conception of magic within this world. Right. Mm-hmm. And then we have a magic battle in this and it's just like oh, fireball versus lightning. Yeah. And then, just, they literally do like the, the Dragon Ball Z like 
purple energy versus blue energy going back and forth. Who's going right. to spin their it, controller faster or whatever. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but like, and, and like, even like in, I just, um, for some reason, like on a whim rewatched Endgame and some other clips of some things. And I was just like, cause even in those, like Dr. Strange is like his magic. It's always like interesting. Like you said, it's like, yes, either it's calling out something from the comics that he did, like the, you know, bands or this or that, but like, it's never, yeah, it's never just like, here's a fireball or here's lightning or here's generic magic stuff, energy balls. Right. And it's just like, and I get that they were doing that to set up the runes, but I just, I just don't, it could have but been even, a lot cooler in that fight. And I just feel like they just kind of threw it out the window and just said, ah, generic superhero fight, go for it. Yeah. And, and if they'd done a little bit more with, you know, like, because what we have learned in this is that, you know, up until up until this show, everything Wanda's done has just been like eh, throw fireballs and stuff. Right. And yeah. maybe levitate some things, you know, like just like basic movie m- superhero magic bullshit like. Um, but then she she clearly were exposed to a new power set in this show, which is her, which is mind control, illusion, reality manipulation, those sorts of things. Right. She should have been using those powers in the fight against Agnes. Like she should have been using her powers in a way where we saw her using those, you know, those new um, reality manipulations in a way that wasn't just her building a self-serving fantasy world. Like, I don't know. First thought, like, what if to fight Agatha, like she makes a whole bunch of 1950s cars appear 10 feet in the air above her and they all fall on her, you know, like that kind of thing. They did the, you know, Mm -hmm. um, where she's actually, you know, we see her, she's discovered these new powers and now we see her actually taking control of them and using them for good. And maybe that's what they were kind of going with her, like painting the runes on the walls of the hex. But another way to have done it would be instead of the walls of the hex, like we zoom out and we realize she's reconfigured the buildings of the town. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Into the runes. Yeah. Something like that, where it was a little bit more connected to like what she's been doing this whole time. Yeah, I thought they definitely could have used like that more. Maybe even something like, I don't know, like wouldn't it have been cool to have the fight happening? And if it's a little more generic where you're they're crashing through things and, you know, whatever, like what if they were going throughout like the time periods that she had made? Like, yeah. And what if when they were in like the 90s section, you know, it was a little slapstick, you know, a little bit Brian Cranston and Mark Metal. What, and what if they were in, you know, like it wouldn't have been cool, you know, like to see the props around like different things like that or something just that like that tied more back into like the theme and, and the style of the show. And I just felt yeah. like it really just like, you know, it just didn't it just didn't do that. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, 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 uh, another nitpicky thing, but it also just goes back to the poorly thought through nature of some of this. Okay. So we establish sword, right? And this is the first time we've seen sword. Is that right? Or were they in one of the TV shows that I didn't watch? Um, TV shows don't matter. Cause they're not connected Good. to anything. This is the first TV show that matters. Okay. Um, but but I mean, I think we've but but I think it's been mentioned. But like this, we're introduced. to No, sword. I think this is the first time we see sword. Yeah. And, and they are kind of established as uh, they're obviously not shield. They're sword. Um, <laughs> and they are clearly tasked with like 
kind of like containing superheroes, right? Which makes sense in the context of this show. This is the sort of thing you would expect to develop, right? Um, almost like the boys, you know, so, you know, some people whose job it is to like contain renegade superheroes. Great. Love it. Love that they're a little bit sinister because they are in an antagonistic role with our uh, with our heroes. Fine. All good. Um, But when S.W.O.R.D., the organization that is on on the same level as S.H.I.E.L.D., you know, uh, a a, a globe spanning helicarrier capable organization, we've got S.W.O.R.D. uh, and they show up to contain a. Uh, a rogue hero who has the power to manipulate reality and potentially raise the dead. Because as far as they know, there's a new vision running around inside the hex, right? So they're dealing with like God tier powers. And when they finally get into the hex, what do they show up with to contain this? Some Hummers and some M16s. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand this is a TV show, but that to me was like a wait, what? What am I watching? Like, this is some yeah, this is some CW shit. Like, yeah, like at least have them show up with like, you know, like fancy prop guns that make a little noise when they aim them, you know, (laughs) and then and then you can have a throwaway line where like Darcy says, like, oh, those are the new vortex guns. They could stop Thanos at 100 paces. You know what I mean? Like, like. (laughs) imply some kind of threat or make not only to imply a threat because obviously when dudes show up to fight avengers and they have guns i'm like fuck come on um they're obviously just cannon fodder but also it 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 breaks the immersion because i'm like these guys just rebuilt vision you know Mm -hmm. i thought these guys would have more than than guns yeah you know what i mean I think that uh, definitely good points. I think that, yeah, so I was just looking up. So SWORD stands for Sentient Weapon Observation Response Division. Great. Yes. Which I I guess is implying what you said, like sentient weapon, which would be like superhero, right? Like, um, which which is very different than what it was because it was like the space shield basically in the comics, which is different. Um Jurisdictional so, issues. Yeah, basically. Um, so I think that so one context that might just to maybe slightly alleviate your anger is that this doesn't take place that long after people get snapped back. So the world is still kind of in like somewhat of disarray, I think, is sure. the implication. So there has been a whole lot of time to like develop and do all these things. I mean, I, it's unclear. I wish I wish I would have had a little bit more into like who sort is and what they stand for, because I once again, like I was thinking my comic knowledge is like, oh, they're the space shield. Like, that's what they do. And like, I'm like, not sure why they're doing this. But then I saw the name change and I was like, oh, but it's like, are they, you know, they could have made one line like, oh, we're basically the Sokovia Accord enforcers. Right. It's like, okay, that's all you need to tell me. Like, I get that. Like, they just didn't, you know, and then that's why Hayward has a thing against superheroes and he reports to, you know, to Ross and that's why he fucking hates Wanda. And like, you know, because she helped Captain America like there. You could have drawn this line that made a lot more sense of this stuff. But I I still have the nitpicky problem of like and, and you brought up the footage of her stealing the body. Yes. I need to go back and rewatch that because I can't tell if that was supposed to be like doctored or if they just he just showed the clip of her quote unquote breaking in and just had it edited in a way that made it look like she was taking the body um but 
when he said, because he said in there, you know, she shows up, she's angry. He says something about like, you know, who knows, you know, like whatever you could like resurrect the dead. And I was just like, why did he say that? Like what? Right. What? That's, that's why I was like, that was like my, I was like, he's not who he says he is. He's Mephisto or he's some other fucking guy. He's trying to manipulate her to do something. That's what I, the vibe I got from that scene. And cause like under what circumstances would he think that she could do that? Right. Like what? I mean, and then the only thing I think is that he, he must think that he needs her energy. Well, to, but once again, like what I just, I, I really, I, that's like my, I hate his character and like that I think, arc just means nothing. Well, and I think that that's, again, an issue of it could have been made a little clearer because I, you know, I got the impression that Sword knew that there was a that there was a version of the vision running around inside the hex. Well, this is before right. this is before that scene happened before she oh, made the right. hex, though. You're right. So, like, why the fuck did he say that? And that's where I thought that it was going to be like someone through him or him pulling the strings to try and get her to do something to whatever but i'm just like right i, I don't yeah. know why he, no, that, that, i don't know why he baited her right because no because because at no point in the in the in any of the previous stuff have we established that people think that's something she can do correct yeah um so. even though you know in, in a previous episode they made a big deal inside the hex of pointing out that that was something she could not do although I feel like for the amount of effort we put in that, we should have had a little bit more of an explanation of why she was sure she couldn't, you know? Yeah. Because she's like, oh, no, I can't raise the dead. And it's like, you, you're doing a lot of stuff that you weren't <laughs> able to do the last time we saw you in one of these movies. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And you just telling us that you can't is a little bit weird. But I also know in that episode, they were still try- playing with that a little bit and wanting us to question whether or not she could. Yeah. Um. But... uh. Yeah, I um, th- yeah, there, there, there. It feels like that there is either that there was an episode that that got cut out, you know, mm-hmm. that where some of these things would have made a little bit more sense. Or honestly, you know, my one of my theories is that the script for this started life as a movie where all mm. of the uh, all of the TV shenanigans. Although I don't think it would have been TV in the movie, it wouldn't have been. It wouldn't have had this. TV framing device, it would have just been a fantasy world of Wanda's, mm-hmm. you know, um, and we spend the first act of the movie in the fantasy world and then we, you know, move out of it. Um, and I think that this that this that this then developed into a TV show and they fell so in love with the idea of what if the fantasy world is a TV show? Wait, what if it's six TV shows? Right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then and then that got that whole first act got stretched out and then you had no time for acts two and three. Yeah. Uh, I just kind of what know, this feels like to me. What we talked about before, though, is just like time is irrelevant. Like you can make it as long or as short as you want. Exactly. And they, and they, they literally said that. I mean. Feige said, like, Feige said, like, each of these shows is going to be slightly different in format and in length. Like, you know, we're all we're generally going to be in like the six to nine hour range of content for each season. But we're going to flex it into it's like, so why didn't you flex it a little more for this? And like, I just think one or like I said, one or two more. If you even want to keep the same pacing of the first four episodes, like one or two episodes would have fleshed out a little bit of these things. Maybe trim a little bit from the other ones, reorient a little bit. Like, I think you could have really done something really great here as opposed to something that i mean i will say i i spent a lot of time reading through 
reviews because I was just like, am I just being too harsh on this? Like, are people, you know, because you know me, like, I'm, I'm a fanboy. Like, this is my jam. Yeah, like, MCU is my happy are- place, dude. <laughs> um, and I was just like, and, and people like pointed out the same things, but just didn't seem to care as much. They, they seemed like they really just weren't captured by other parts of it, which is fine. So, I mean, generally it still seems positively reviewed. It's just, although I will say I saw that like the last episode is like by far the worst, you know, reviewed episode. Or I, I, I think that if, if they had spent, if they had spent the second to last, uh, okay, here's the, the, the biggest, the easiest fix I could imagine would be now this preserves the whole like momentum kill uh in the second to the last episode but let's just set that aside for now but instead of making that the flashback that explains the entire framing device to the dummies in the back as a series of wanda flashbacks that whole episode is an agatha episode yeah i think that works better because we get to spend more time with her we understand more about what she wants we can and this is a great time to do an exposition dump on how witch powers work yeah right um it's a great time to do that and and you could have a whole thing where a young agatha is being educated as a witch so you can have old 1600 witches just stare into the camera and explain how magic works and then we cut to Ag- young agatha saying great take notes um <laughs> but then we also understand like we can get some motivation for why it's important to her and i also would have liked a little bit more clarity around because agatha kind of says to wanda like i saw you doing this and came here to check it out when did you see it because you've been here since day one. How did you get here? Where did you come from? You know, like things like that where it's just like, wait, what? What's the timeline? I don't understand. It's immersion breaking because it doesn't that 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 reveal doesn't slot into what we already know. So you make that an Agatha episode and then you give me one, you know, a little bit of a longer finale where I can spend a little bit more time with Wanda and see her actually struggling with why or why not she should embrace her witchiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, no. uh, I, I agree with that. And 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 also, um, um, you know, make this transition that I feel like they really need to do to make this transition from cosmic infinity stone magic, space magic to mystical magic, right? Like right. we need to make that transition, and I feel like this sh- this show did not help because it was like she's a witch. What does that mean? Fuck you. <laughs> um, I yeah, I I really also was and like people theorized it, which I thought was really smart. I would have loved in that same flashback thing just to show briefly, like even a one off line of just like oh, you know, like that narc Doctor Strange really kept. A fucking iron grip on the magic in the world but when he was gone for five years perfect i stole the dark hold and here i am you know what i mean like that would make it would, i mean that's just like an additional tie-in for me but like and you know or in in that line you say and he's dealing with i was i'm the sneaky one he's dealing with all kinds of other bullshit and that's why he's not here you know because like that's the biggest question that people had from us sort of which i don't care quite as much about some people get so mad well why didn't so-and-so show up i mean if you think about it there's really like very few people left after Endgame to like come interrupt this, except for Doctor Strange, which is a noticeable absence, right? Of just like this is some pretty heavy magic shit going yes. on. This seems like the kind of thing he would he would be interested in, <laughs> right? So and maybe we'll get an explanation for that, but I just it, 
you could have done it very easily for her. And I think it would have made sense to just be like, oh, yeah, like there was five years with no magic police. Here I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, and 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 and, and uh, you know, it would have been really cool. Just like a little shot of her, like um, just like walking into the Sanctum Sanctorum and just like stealing some shit. Yep. Just like, like opening up like, ooh, <laughs> don't yeah. mind if I do, you know? Yeah. That and that, that's great. the kind of shit Marvel loves to do, you know, like yeah. little references and whatever. So a little missed opportunity there, but nitpicky. But it's, impo- uh, but I do think it's important because, um, uh, if you're gonna have, you know, a fictional world where magic is something that, you know, it's a big driver of the plot, right? Yeah. Where you've got multiple main characters who are going to be using magic. You need to draw the boundaries of what the magic does and how mm-hmm. it works. Um, because again, it's about establishing drama. Like if our main characters have magical powers, um, we need to understand the magic system more. And, and, you know, generally when we're talking about like novels, you know, I'm, I'm usually more on the side of like, I don't want them. I don't want to understand how the dice rolls work in your magic system. Like (laughs) I like things to be a little bit more mysterious, but as I think about it, so like that's more common in say the Joe Abercrombie books, right? He never explains exactly how any of the magic works, but that's okay because uh, our main characters, none of our main characters have magical abilities of any real sort. Right. Um, So magic is something that can be done to them. It's always an external threat, right? So it's better if I don't exactly know what's capable because that increases the tension, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know what Bias, first of the Magi, is capable of, but I know all of it would absolutely fuck up the characters I care about, right? Yeah. It's relative relative relational power levels, right? Like, for lack of a better yeah. term. Even in the rest of the movies, like, we don't know exactly how Tony's new like like last suit works with all the fucking nanotechnology and stuff but like we kind of know like well he could probably hold his own against this character and he can't beat this character right we don't know exactly how strong the hulk or thor are but we know they both lose to thanos like you know it's all relational and and even dr strange is like probably a little bit harder to tell like he probably did the best against thanos 1v1 but once again like the powers we saw weren't dramatically different than what we saw him use prior and they're relatively straightforward right and we also know that he has like dr strange is he's a little bit like gandalf in that we know that he's privy to information and possibly beholden to rules that the other characters are not right so it's it's you know so there's a little bit of a cheat there of like well why didn't he do this why didn't he do that and it's like well he's kind of a mysterious guy and he's got you know there's there's a lot of lot going on there but when we're talking about Wanda, who's like, I don't know, she does whatever the fuck she wants. You know, she doesn't have yeah. any of that stuff. And she's got seemingly unlimited power. Um, yeah, I mean, it was it was interesting that when they're doing their little like meta nerd out about, you know, they're talking about like who could beat Thanos or whatever. And when I think it was uh, Agent Wu, you know, said like, oh, well, like, you know, Wanda was going to beat Thanos until, you know the guns happen whatever i'm like is that really what happened then when i watched endgame recently, i was like no yeah she was gonna fucking kill him <laughs> and it's like i yeah. guess that happened and then but he, re- he re- rewound time right no no that was that when was what he had the um the spaceship fire on them and then captain marvel oh. shows up and whatever but yeah she was just like because that's how the only reason he got out of her grasp was because 
she, he like the guns hit her or whatever. Um, but I was like, yeah, I guess. So like, yeah, I mean, her power level was, I mean, that's something that's like part, partially part of her character is just like, I don't fucking know. Like, you know, that's one sure. thing about how it translates from the comics. It's just like, she does all kinds of random fucking shit. I will say that one, this is a side note real quickly. Speaking of like how our character is translated is that I saw a lot of praise for people and, and the showrunners themselves saying that like in the comics, Wanda's a prop piece. Like she yes. doesn't really have a personality and she does all this stuff just to keep crazy plots going. And we really wanted to, avoid that which i think they did which was good yeah uh yeah i i I think that and having her powers be uh you know a little bit of a wild card is fine when she's a supporting character Mm -hmm. um but when she's the main character and i'm supposed to i'm supposed to feel the drama of when she's in danger i need to know what i need to know where her limits are and i know because i've seen things that she's going to break through her limits in the last act. That's how this works. But that but that moment only has drama if I know what the limits were to begin with. Um, you know, like uh, so Logan, right? We go into that with a, a pretty clear understanding of Wolverine and, you know, and his powers. Um, but we also know that his healing factor is failing on him. Right. So we have a sense of what he's capable of and we have a sense of when he's in danger. And we've also established clearly that now he has there's there are emotional stakes for him as well in the form of the decrepit Xavier and um, X-23. Right. Um, so we understand the stakes for him and even Xavier. We understand to a certain extent what he's capable of, but we also understand the danger of his powers getting out of control. Um, and that all works. And then there are some points where they, you know, uh, where his like where Logan's healing factor just goes away. Right. There's a change. But we understand how that's a deviation from the rules that were set up before, Uh, as opposed to here, where it's just like she can do this now. And Monica can like slow bullets with her body now uh, to protect the kids. But the kids don't really need protecting because they have their own powers. Um but also they're not real so why do we care um and also how is it this was never explained and again it's all part of the larger problem of i don't know what the fuck is possible in this world so i can't care about anything is how did quicksilver get speeder powers i think well, it's just supposed to be implied that the magic like, necklace the- magic does it agatha gave him but that's like what powerful yeah no i agree with you i had the same thought um and like how do the kids have powers as well because they're kind of illusions but they also have physical effects on the world right yeah. like they went and they did on in the halloween episode they did their super speed thing and stole everybody's candy which means that they have a physical effect on other people within the world so you know, Wanda's powers of illusion are, are clearly very highly developed. Fine. Great. But yeah, I, th- I think even to call it illusion is like it's not illusion. She she changes reality. Right. And I think that's what Agatha was also doing, which is why part of the reason why I kind of push back a little bit when you say like, oh, they aren't real. It's like they're kind of real. They're really yeah, here. They're they, not they, just like holograms. Right. They're they're And they're not just like robots like they seem to be that's why i'm wondering you know when she listens to dark hole and she has a kid's like i wonder if we won't get an explanation that like those 
at least her kids were like pulled from a different reality into this one and or something like that happened. And that's yeah. why and, and which is where it would be so developed. I'm not sure. But yeah, that's that's a that I think not clean again, enough for the show. Exactly. I will agree that's with you 100 I mean, is that it's like for me, I was as soon as as soon as it was confirmed that like this is all quote unquote illusion. I was like, well, I don't care about these kids. You know, I was mm-hmm. like, oh, we're on the holodeck. You know, and, and the show didn't do a clear enough job of like uh, establishing like whether or not the vision that we were seeing like is does he have a mind of his own or is he just a projection of Wanda's psyche? Right. Yeah. Um, it really seemed like he had a mind of his own. But then it, you could it, also explain it that like it's just Wanda's psyche trying to back her out of this right. mistake or something like that. Right. But he was also made of yellow magic juice. True. Whereas everybody else was made of red magic juice, which true. They made a point of pointing out, but okay, he's special somehow because of the mind stone. But I thought his whole thing was the soul stone. No, and his I thing thought, is, is the mind. Is he, he's is always the had the mind stone in his head. Yeah. Oh right, right. Because the soul stone's orange, right? And he's his Correct. is yellow. Okay. Yeah. And yes. the mind stone okay. was initially blue when it was in the staff, but right. it's neither here nor there. Doodle. <laughs> um. <laughs> Uh, that was before they decided that was actually going to be an infinity stone. So <laughs> great. Yeah. So, um, so, but she has some of the mind stone in her. Don't know how that works, but like, what is that again? But so we know he's made of different stuff than the kids. So maybe it's easier to assume that, oh, he actually is some kind of like actual sentient entity within the hex, but every, but the kids aren't, it's just, that's what I mean. I, I, I was not given any clear indication, you know, one no, way or I, the other and not in a good way in a in yeah. a you guys didn't you know, you, you either you didn't have make up your own mind or you didn't clearly communicate because, again, I, I definitely know what you're saying, because to me, it sounds a lot like you were feeling like how I felt in Westworld season two, where they spent a lot of time dealing with, like, you know, the robots and their storylines and their families it in that were designed for them and me just being like, but they're all ro- like, and then yeah. some of the robots are sentient and some of the robots aren't sentient. And I'm just like, but what, why do I care? Like example, I forget the name of, um, the woman who's searching for her daughter. Um, mm. and then they end up in fucking Shogun land and whatever, like that whole problem is just like, mm-hmm. but her daughter's a rope. Not even, I don't think she's one of the sentient robots. She's just a robot. Like, why do I care so much that she's, I don't know. There's all these scenes of like dramatic. I'm like, am I supposed to be like, caring am i supposed to be questioning that i'm not caring like what's the overall point here so yeah i definitely like understand what you're saying i mean i think i think at least in westworld there is this i think it's mave or may mave yes that's right yeah mave yeah uh uh, sandy newton's character um Mm -hmm. i think there there, there's supposed to be a question of how much of this love for her quote-unquote daughter is a real emotion versus just she is programmed to care about this other character. Right. Right. And that programming has led her on this odyssey. Um, You know, is is that just a result of, of her programming or is she becoming human? And I think that now how effectively the show navigates that is open for conversation. But what, what, um, what WandaVision doesn't do is give me enough information to ask those questions. Yeah, definitely. It doesn't like, set up the question in the first place. It just kind we of have, goes. In Westworld, we have clearly established there is no doubt that Maeve is a robot, right? 
Mm-hmm. Um, now there are open questions about how much, uh, how autonomous she actually is. Uh, but we know she's a robot and then we go from there. Um, and we've been shown throughout in other places in the show, uh, other robots with various degrees of, um, autonomy and sanctions. Uh, whereas in WandaVision, we get none of that. I, I, I have, I, 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 I don't get scenes with the kids that suggest they have, uh, a unique in- intelligence. Mm. I don't get scenes with Vision that really suggest that maybe, uh, he is, you know, that he is his own, that he is Vision, not Wanda's conception of Vision. You know, mm. it's, it's, I didn't get that drawn clearly enough for me to wonder. Um, and yeah. yeah, I'd agree. I'd agree. I think they were close on that aspect for me. Cause like just the fact that vision was like questioning so much different points that yes, once again, you still unclear if it's like Wanda's psyche, but, revealing, but also you know, subconscious revealing itself or you, you could, you could say, well, if, if Wanda built a very, very good simulation of vision, these are the questions the simulation would be asking as well. Right. But then we're talking about a simulation of a robot end of the day right (laughs) um uh yeah so um i think a missed opportunity all around i'd agree i'd agree and the lack of like it but i didn't love it and i i'm disappointed because like if it was just meh from the start and meh throughout i'd be like okay it was just a mess show but the fact that it was like had so much on the table and and didn't capitalize on it is always a missed opportunity i think i i I think the fact that it 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 really just kind of stumbled telling its own story is damning enough but i also think there were some missed opportunities to really like have a commentary on escapism Mm -hmm. um they just didn't (laughs) it's a whole show like ostensibly about escapism that at the end of the day is like hey escapism might be a cool way for you to work on your powers you know Right. um, Also, there could have been a really interesting conversation about like American like cultural hegemony and the fact that like this um, Sokovian kid is like so thoroughly saturated with American culture. And what does that mean? And like, I'm not saying that's the whole show, but like there was an opportunity to engage with that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, why is this person who 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 lived their entire childhood and some of their young adulthood in a, you know, Eastern Europe, European, you know, garbage can. Why is, why is her fantasy world, the Brady bunch? That's kind of (laughs) fucked up. You know, like that's have a chance to talk about that. Um, but we didn't, you know, or, um, you know, or even just like the, the possibility of an, of a Marvel TV show, Actually having a critique of uh, escapist media, that could have been so cool. And they just didn't. <laughs> yeah, they passed. Yeah, they were like, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, uh, escapism, good. Escapism, yeah. great. Makes you powerful. Duh. Retreat to a fantasy world for as long as you need to. Do not worry about the toll this takes on the actors who support your fantasy world. (laughs) Do not think about that. It's going to be fine. And when you come out of that fantasy world, you're going to be cooler than when you came in. That kind of (laughs) sucks. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) You know, it's like, you know, like 
uh, it's like the gravity chamber in Dragon Ball, you know, hyperbolic time chamber. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, that's that's what that's what Marvel movies are, guys. They're hyperbolic time time that make you more powerful by escaping into them. Oof. (laughs) Well, on the bright side, at least it gave us this great conversation. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, it was uh, much like Game of Thrones. A lot of fun until the very end. (laughs) Yeah. Um, are you but going now to watch? I can't rewatch it because I know, you know what I mean? Yeah. 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 At some point I probably will just cause it's overall short and just, I want to see how, if anything lands differently when I'm watching it kind of all together. Cause sometimes that is the case or sometimes things are, things are, sometimes things are better when you binge it. Sometimes things are worse. Um, I've had both experiences. I do. I do. I do think that I enjoyed the week to week here. I do think it's the model of dropping two or three episodes, then going week to week is like a really good model. Um, yeah. As much as I think trolls on the internet don't think so, but well, and I think something like this where, you know, there was a pretense of mystery to the show. So mm-hmm. having a week to kind of think about it and piece together the clues and talk about it is a lot of fun. I think what's disappointing is that the mystery, like so many things, uh, mystery shows on television, ended up not really mattering. <laughs> right. That, it, oh, it was what you thought it was from the, you know, like, like loss, like, oh, it's purgatory, isn't it? No, it's not. Eight years later, it was purgatory all along. Um, or this, it's like, oh, it's a, it's a, she's, she's made a pocket reality to escape from things. No, no, there's, um, okay, fine. Uh, yeah. Um, not Twin Peaks though. Uh, anyway, yeah, let's watch Twin Peaks. I can give it a go. Uh, um, are you sure? No, I'm not sure actually. Yeah, that's uh, a, oof, uh, cause that's a, that's a watch a great season, watch a garbage season. Watch an okay movie and then watch a very, very good season that that uh, is very, very long and makes very little sense. (laughs) Great. Sounds right up my alley. Yeah, you're going to love it. (laughs) It's like, Um, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's like uh, Ava, but, you know, um, uh, but less linear (laughs) and more obtuse. (laughs) Significantly. (laughs) Um, I want to talk briefly about the broader implications. Sure. So clearly, this is your favorite thing to talk about. Um, clearly, they're setting Monica up to be in. She's already been confirmed to be in Captain Marvel 2, although I think Secret Invasion comes out before that, if I look at the calendar correctly, which is the show with Nick Fury and the scrolls. So cool, I guess. I was like, all right, fine. Like, I was so frustrated with Monica's character that that plot point, I was just like, all right, whatever. Um, I do like her, though. I like her, her character. Yeah, just, she's, um, yeah, but. Need more development. And I'm, I'm curious to see what the little, like, they once again hinted that, like, she's got some issues with Carol Danvers. Um, curious what that's about, like, because she wasn't there for her mom or who knows. Like, some people, some people are theorizing that, like, you know, she gave her mom cancer from her radiation or whatever. I'm just like, I don't that think they're going to go that cool. route. But well, it's also kind of already, like been done but uh yeah but i mean i think a lot of marvel care a, a lot of marvel stories in the past in the comics have used that trope because they've got so many radioactive characters <laughs> yeah uh they've done that a couple times there was a spider-man what if yeah i remember that one um gross. yeah um there was i think i think the hulk Gave somebody cancer. It's 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 it, 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 they do it a lot, but that would be neat. That would be an interesting thing, you know. Of like, you know, I like exploring the idea of you know these 
um, the consequences of these superpowered people running around, some of the unforeseen consequences above and beyond the more like obvious ham handed like, oh, sometimes they level New York accidentally. But like more mm. the interpersonal consequences, I think is a is an angle we haven't explored yet. And I'd like to see it. I don't think they're going to do it No, It's a little it's a little too dark for there, especially because yes. Captain Marvel's kind of this, at least so far, this like kind of untarnished character. Like a lot of other characters have kind of done shitty things or yeah. had their moment of darkness and she kind of hasn't yet. So maybe this could be it, but I don't think so. Um, interestingly, I didn't realize that this takes place before Spider-Man Far From Home. Just a little bit sure. of tidbit that I didn't realize that takes place in a couple months after the snap. Um, I am curious to see how this plays in Doctor Strange. You know, they keep saying this is a direct lead in and whatever um, eh, with her. I don't see how that it's a direct. I don't this. This doesn't. I, I, and this was one of my complaints of like they they hyped this up so much as like this is where the next phase all starts. WandaVision. This is the this is the kickoff. This is the setup. And it's like the fucking status quo of the Marvel Universe at the end of WandaVision is kind of exactly the same as it was at the end of Endgame, except Vision's back and Wanda is more powerful. But we never really knew how powerful she was to begin with. So, ugh. yeah. Fair. So I'm kind of upset with that little bit of marketing. Yeah. And once again, like, I do think I am curious how the like sequencing because i was looking at the initial schedule because i can't i'm sure they must have made some minor tweaks um but i can't imagine that they were able to dramatically change the stories enough to make them happen in different orders from the delays yeah. from covid right because like just to refresh black widow falcon winter soldier and eternals were all supposed to come out before wandavision originally christ so you know i don't think any of those are going to have a direct effect on her story or vice versa, but just it just places it a little bit differently. It places it right next to Loki and Doctor Strange, which made me, you know, all kind of feels like it can maybe fit more together. Where instead now with the current thing, you know, we're going to be getting Falcon Winter Soldier next week. Um, and then Black uh, Widow, which you, which I'm sure I know you're not going to watch. Nope. Don't care. <laughs> um, I I'm actually like from some of the trailers, I'm like, I kind of dig their vibe. They kind of remind me of like me and my, some of my friends just like we're just going to hate on each other the whole time. Um, I like Anthony Mackie. So, yeah, I'm not watching I'll watch that. it. Um, it's also only six episodes, so it's not like some crazy commitment. Um, then we get Black Widow, allegedly in theaters, May 7th. It's another, it's another pass. I'm not going to probably be able to see that because I'm not unless I get a call like tomorrow. I'm not going to be vaccinated before that. I'm not going to movie <laughs> theater before I'm vaccinated. So, um then we get Loki in June. I I am interested in Loki. Yeah. There's a little bit of a hook there, but I mean, no, no Wilson's hook. in it. Like, why won't you, why won't you watch Owen it? Owen Wilson? Yeah. Who is he playing? Anybody or is, you know. We don't know. Like I think he's just like the guy. No, no. He's like the agent Great. of like whatever timey-wimey institute that has Loki imprisoned or whatever. I don't know. Right. We don't know much about the show yet. Um, then we get Shang-Chi in July. Might be okay. I mean, we know so little about it. You know, it's yeah. like, you know what I mean? Um, allegedly also coming out in 2021 are Hawkeye and Miss Marvel. Hmm. Never going to watch Hawkeye. <laughs> um, we're also getting that what if animated show, which I think is cool. Yeah. Um, and then November, we get Eternals. They're going to have to work really hard to sell me on that. The I'll cast is enough for me at this point. But um, yeah, I'm curious how they're going to market that one. And then finally, we get 
the third Spider-Man movie recently which, titled No Way Home in December. Which is the one I'm I'm probably most interested in. Yeah. But the, that's the, the, crazy, man. One, two, three, four movies. One, two, three, not including the cartoon. One, two, three, four, five TV shows in 2021. <laughs> I mean, it's it's effectively like there's not a time. There's only going to be like a few weeks in between different things where there's not a new Marvel thing coming out like every week, which is kind of bonkers. I mean, that's how the last 10 years have felt, but I guess this time it'll be real. <laughs> I know it's partially because of like delays and stuff, but yeah. Um, yeah. Ironically, all the movies I'm most interested in are like in the next batch, like Thor, Love and Thunder and Doctor yes. Strange 2 and like those things yes. I'm like way more, way more interested in. So, um, but I'll watch all of them. I mean, I'm, I'm like tentatively interested in everything except minus like well, Shang-Chi and Eternals, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I can say I'm not interested in black widow because i've seen the trailers and i'm like "Mm, it just doesn't i'm not there's no hook there for me same thing with falcon and winter soldier like there's just no hook there i've never been that interested in those characters or their milieu um you know it's just there's no hook there for me um the rest of them it's like i know so little like i can't really have an opinion on. i haven't even seen a trailer for these things right Right. like I've got a cast list and a logo. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, some of these things like like I'm passingly familiar with the Moon Knight character and concept. And I like the idea of Moon Knight. So I'm more interested in Moon Knight than I am in, say, Shang-Chi Man of Kung Fu. But uh, but also, like, I know nothing about Shang-Chi or, you know. Um, yeah. So you got to give me a little more than that. Um, you know, I, there's a lot of things where like, I like this conceptually, but I really can't have an opinion on it. Even, I mean, until there's more to more to, to bite into. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I'm curious to see, I'm really interested in more technically for Falcon Winter Soldier is just, it's, you know, from trailers and stuff it's being built as a lot more of like, you know, an action thriller. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious how the effects hold up, you know, uh, and, because they kind of could save a lot of their budget, I think, in one division till the end and make it look OK. I'm curious how the effects line up for a whole actual show where there's like, you know, constant fighting and someone's flying around and whatnot. So um curious just to see how they manage that. But but yeah, well, I had a good discussion. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to be back. To- it is. Uh, I, I, it's, it's I, I, I think, yeah, we need to we need to figure out what we you know, like what it's, it's, it's been tough because it's, you know, there was in the before times in the long, long ago when there were movies coming out every couple of weeks, uh, and television shows on all the time, like there was like more for us to respond to. Yeah. But now it's just like, well, you want to watch Wonder Woman in your basement? Fuck. No, I don't. And I think also, I mean, it's, it's, it's tough because you know, like a lot of these like DC movies, it's like, well, they're known quantities now. It's like, I, I know these are going to be bad. You know, I, I, I don't need a Snyder cut to change my mind about the DC movies. Um, yeah, it's, it's tough. I mean, you know, I've had like two separate friends reach out and kind of be like, you know, I actually think that I'm a little excited for the Snyder cut. I'm just like, this is this is what happens in an abusive relationship. Like he's not gonna change. Like, <laughs> like Ugh. fool me once, fool me twice. Like you can't. You, no one can convince me this is gonna be good. It's just impossible. And every trailer right. I've seen just like further points to the fact this is going to be a bloated, self indulgent, stupid mess. I mean, it's here's the thing. 
Zack Snyder isn't good at movies. <laughs> and yes. he, and he doesn't know like and and he doesn't understand what makes these characters compelling. Um and that's not necessarily a problem. I'm not saying that like every Superman movie has to be a Richard Donner Superman movie, but if you're going to have a new take on Superman, it should be good. Like he just goes in the wrong direction with all of them when he reinterprets the characters. And he also reinterprets them to all be the same dour, lifeless shithead. Uh, it's and and yeah, I mean, one of the problems with the Justice League movie was the inconsistent tone between the Snyder scenes and the um, Whedon scenes. Right. It was Whedon or was it Abrams? Doesn't matter. Same guy. Um, well, well, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe I don't want to say that now. Um, well, there's, a couple, there's two reasons to it. Well, you look at, you know, personal life aside. But the second thing is that um, I've actually been seeing. I saw a really good comment the other day. It was uh, I think I said it to you was um, someone said J.J. Abrams. Oh, you mean Zack Snyder light all the bullshit and half the calories? I'm like, that's pretty much right. Like yeah. very much falls in that same category. It's like, can this guy make good movies? Like there's not a ton of evidence that like that's the case. Uh, well, so I think that the, the difference between J.J. Abrams and Zack Snyder is that I believe that J.J. Abrams when he is working from original material, he can be a competent filmmaker. When he is given something like an existing franchise, I don't think he can handle that. Um, uh, Zack Snyder, I think, has proven that with original material, with adaptations, and with remakes, he sucks. <laughs> Um, I, I think that Zack Snyder could be potentially a good director if you gave him a great script. Um, but I think that if anything, he should be a director of photography and that should be the extent of his contribution. I think he has a, a, a very unique aesthetic and he's very good at creating a certain style of visuals. I don't personally find that style all that aesthetically pleasing, but he is very good at that, at creating striking visuals. Uh, he just does not know how to write a script. He does not know how to shoot a script and he does not know how to get good performances out of actors. So he should not be a director. Mm -hmm. um, I think anyone who's seen Henry Cavill in any movie would agree. Zack Snyder doesn't know how to get good performances out of actors. Yeah, it's kind of like a George Lucas situation. Like, you know, you see Natalie Portman in literally anything else, but somehow she's bad in Star Wars, right? And yes, you know, same kind of thing. So, yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Also, Ewan McGregor, like a fantastic actor trying his fucking best. <laughs> but even he couldn't land a lot of those lines. Yeah, um, which I guess that's happening. Also, the Obi-Wan show. Yeah, I started to film it. Um, also. They're saying that he's also going to be in the other the um, Rogue One guy show like at some point. And now there's also rumors going around that they're going to do a Qui-Gon show with Liam Neeson. I'm like, what? Mm, how? Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I liked that character. One of the few things I did like from Phantom Menace. But like, I don't. How? He's what? Yeah, he's he, he's very much older. Yeah. Like we're talking like, you know, what, 20, 20 years older. I mean, a young Qui-Gon show narrated by Liam Neeson could work. <laughs> uh, seriously. But yeah, also, yeah. I do not care. 
Well, I know you don't care. I mean, there could not be something you write down on paper that you would care less about than that. About but, um. what happens in the Star Wars universe before episode four. I do <laughs> not care. I never will care. I cannot be made to care. <laughs> Uh, let's not go on a Star Wars rant. We don't need to. Um, I brought it up. It was my mistake. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's, it's hard to, uh, find things to respond to. Part of me wants to, you know, no, I'm not going to bring it up. I was like, we want the bell Joss being at some point, but what's been said that hasn't uh, already been said a thousand right, times. No, I mean, it sounds like, it sounds like that, uh, Joss Whedon, um, even in a environment where workplace norms are different than they are for, you know, most of us. Uh, it seems like he went far beyond shitty boss and into abusive territory. And as a result, um, I don't think he should be allowed to abuse people anymore. Yeah, I don't think I mean, I don't really see his career coming back from that. I what I find interesting is, well, two things I find interesting. One is that I like there's been a recognition that like because as opposed to, let's say, with like a book or maybe like music or like if you're like a singer songwriter kind of person like you you don't need to cancel Buffy because the showrunner is an important piece but there's also a bazillion other people involved that all contributed to it and it's there what I don't love is I I'm finding all this like weird and I'm not saying that like it's the most perfect show ever it's you know whatever but this a couple things that he's made that were like held up as very very good for why a lot of people in different realms now they start like a revision of just like well, actually, it's not really that good because it's just like, OK, like the thing can still be good, even if the person's shitty. I, how yeah, we I engage with it and how we view it is fair to like reexamine. But like, right. It doesn't change so, the quality of what we pursued. So, I mean, I, I think that it's it's I'm not saying anything controversial when I say that the film The Shining is a masterpiece. Um, well, I mean, other people would would agree with this. It is a, you know, a landmark of cinema. But also, if you know that the uh, the treatment that Stanley Kubrick, you know, inflicted upon Shelley Duvall to get that performance out of her basically broke her as a human being, uh, it's difficult to watch the movie knowing that, um, you know, knowing, you know, when you watch her performance and you understand that that performance is as gripping as it is because she was suffering, you know, mental abuse every day that she still has not recovered from, it becomes difficult to watch. But that but it's still a masterpiece of cinema. But we also shouldn't have to sacrifice actors mental health to make great movies. And we know that it is possible to make great movies without abusing your talent. Yeah, definitely. I've seen that comparison Um, drawn a lot between those two and and same thing, Alfred Hitchcock and other people who are just like, there's this like, you know, this terrible trend of like the, you know, artiste that like has to do all these fucking crazy, stupid, abusive things to people to get them to. And we don't need to do that. Well, and and, and, and this is this is a tricky thing because, um, you know, within the world of of uh, of 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 acting, whether we're talking about, you know, TV movies, uh, theater, whatever, uh, you know, you are relying on human beings to express certain emotions. And sometimes in order for a person to express that emotion, they have to be put in an extreme mental state. And sometimes some actors can, you know, do that 
by themselves. Sometimes directors need to push them. Um, and I think that is, uh, in, in, in established and accepted part of this world that there is a certain amount of, uh, abuse for lack of a better word that is understood to be sometimes be a, a, a necessary and consented to piece of the, of the world, right? Like, um, you know, that you, you, you enter into a relationship with the director that basically gives them some amount of permission to push you emotionally in order to help you as an actor achieve a certain emotional state. I think that within the world, there's a certain consent there. Uh, but there are clearly instances where that crosses a line. And it, it's, it's very clear that Joss Whedon crossed that line, not only in a way of like getting performances, but also in trying to control his actors' lives outside of the set. Um, yeah. which is, um, and, and I, and, and look, I, it is true that there are certain considerations when we're talking about making a television show or making a movie where, yes, you expect your actors to maintain uh, their body through the, you know, so that it looks the same from shot to shot throughout the extent of the shooting. And again, I think that's something that's generally consented to. But when you hear about some of the things that Joss Whedon engaged in, uh, it clearly goes over the line. And look, we've all seen television shows where the female actress just starts wearing you know, really baggy clothes for one season or is always mm. holding a giant purse. They even made a joke about it in WandaVision when she tries to hide her pregnancy by just like holding big bowls of fruit. Yeah, <laughs> like it's a known thing. You could have done this, Joss. Instead, you got way out of line. Yeah. What's so interesting about it? And I wish that wish there was more. Not that I need more to believe it. That's not what I'm implying. Um I need I wish I was just like more from other people who were in the space, especially some of like the other writers and producers and stuff on the show, because all those people are like pretty big. I mean, like Drew Goddard and some like people who are like worked very closely with this guy, you know, for a long, long time. And, you know, it seems like in both the case with the stories that have come out as well as stuff with Ray Fisher, it seems like it's like very targeted, like very personal, yes. which makes it kind of like in some ways makes it shittier and in some ways makes it like not less shitty because those people's experience matters, but just that like he doesn't treat everybody like this. He's not just but like for some reason, like people who triggers something specific in him, you know, there's a lot of things that I think it is very worthy to look at as like a re look at certain things in Buffy and the character of Xander and how it it's sort of been implied that he's sort of a Whedon stand in character. And some of the stuff in the earlier seasons is just like by those standards that we didn't really think about it. But now you're just like, ooh. Xander's kind of like an incel like he's got that and and like that's why I think this like where a lot of this comes from for weeding is I think he's got that like mega I wasn't pretty I wasn't sexy like I'm gonna take it out on the prettiest girl on set which was you know charisma carpenter hmm. and you know like I'm gonna leverage my power to you know it, it doesn't sound like there was anything like no one has said anything about like sexual abuse or anything like that into the realm of like your wine scenes and stuff like that. But definitely some questionable things and, and like definitely this whole facade of like the fake feminist or whatever. Um, well, I, I mean, I could I think it's possible that inserting yourself into the reproductive life of one of your employees, I believe, is a form of sexual sexual abuse. 
True. Um, I, I, I think that is, or at minimum harassment. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it is, you know, it's, I mean, one, you could, you could make the argument that it is sexist abuse because this is not a conversation he would have with a male actor. True. Um, secondly, I, I believe that it, it is a, it is a, you are crossing the line outside of the professional sphere and now entering into the sphere of my sex life and my reproductive life. And that to me is a, if, if it's not sexual abuse, it is pretty damn close in my book. But yeah, and I, I can all, uh, just from the way she was talking about it, like I can almost see the conversation just knowing having consumed so much of his work and like read so much about him and listened to him speak and stuff. It's like, you know, because she mentions like, oh, he like mocked my faith and, you know, my decision to keep the kid and blah, blah. blah. So like, I can just see him being like, I'm the agro atheist like yes you know edgelord like i'm gonna tell you what's what and it's just like you can just see the conversation happening you're just like what a shithead dude and yeah um just a another interesting exercise in like the thing we've talked about so many times on the show of just like art slash artist slash problematic you know creators and people and stuff but I, you know, I was was really expecting like more to come out, like more like follow up from it. Um, You know, it's just interesting seeing people's reactions where like some people are like, oh, yeah, like I totally saw this. Other people are just like, I support you. But man, I didn't see it at all. That's why it clearly was so like targeted. Yes. Like people who are otherwise like not shitty, like some of the cast of Firefly are just like, I I just never saw anything like like, it sounds like you're talking about a different person to me. And like that's like clearly shows how like targeted and personal must have been at points and plus he, he wasn't going to be pulling this shit on that's the other thing is i think it was just like a power trip when he was younger right like he's not pulling this shit with ScarJo or fucking chris hemsworth or something you know what i mean like it's just not right right and and you know you could make the argument that you know that he has uh he is no longer that guy um i mean i'm i'm willing to give people the chance to grow and to have learned from their mistakes and to be able to say like, you know, for example, uh, and I haven't been following this this closely. Maybe he has released a statement saying something to the effect of, uh, yes, this is, this is mostly, you know, this is more or less true. Um, I, I definitely did used to act this way. Uh, but in the intervening years, I have identified the problem. I have worked on it. And, you know, I accept responsibility, but this is, you know, this was an older version of me, not how I act anymore. But it also sounds like from the, um, uh, well, no, sorry. Um, but you know, so I'm, you know, I'd be willing to entertain that conversation with, with anybody. I mean, you know, that's what we want, right? We want people to recognize somebody, somebody who used to be a shitty boss, realized they were a shitty boss and stopped being a shitty boss that's good, right? We want to we as a society, we want to give people space to get better. Mm-hmm. Um because that helps everybody who is a shitty boss if they realize that there is redemption on the other side when they re- find out they're a shitty boss, maybe they'll stop being a shitty boss. But if they know that, you know, being a shitty boss just means you're canceled forever, then they have less incentive to ever change. But um yeah, I don't know. I I mean, I've never been a like a Joss Whedon fan. I've always thought he is at best. All right. So no skin off my nose. If he never does anything else. Mm-hmm. 
but I know yeah. other people will be disappointed if they don't get um, a Firefly sequel <laughs> or something. I mean, like, I, you know, I liked him, you know, a lot growing up and, you know, it's a middling effect, different points. You know, I do think I have, we have to give credit where credit is like, I don't think the MCU is successful without him, you know, like setting a certain tone because he not only did he do the Avengers, but he sure helped with like the scripts for the other movies. But besides Iron Man before that and you know, just pieces. So, but I do think that, I mean, I agree with you completely. Like, I think that if he could have came out and said like pretty shortly after, like just put the cards on the table, been like, yeah, I was shitty. Or even like, even just like just a purely apologize. Cause like, yes, <laughs> what he did was really shitty and I'm not trying to diminish it in any way, but it's not Kevin Spacey. No, you know, it's not Harvey Weinstein. Like it, like there was, there's degrees here and his is shitty, like it, it, it's really shitty, but like that is a, a thing that it through proper like acknowledgement and apologies and, you know, in that space, I think given that, you know, the people who were like amassed on the one side and the connections, I think he could have probably made it work. And but now I think that window's passed. Yeah. And like, yeah. I don't why would you want to hire this guy anymore? I mean, also his recent track record by some people's standards is not great. I mean, like I didn't think Age of Ultron was as bad as people made it out to be. Um I honestly also thought that the Justice League we got was probably the better version that we would have got if Zack Snyder made it. A lot of people disagree with that, <laughs> clearly. But um, that movie still was garbage. And clearly, whatever came out in there, whatever, if that was a thing from him in his past, it reemerged on that set with Ray Fisher. Yeah. Um, and I, I had initially written, a lot of people, I think, had initially written it off, some for, you know, obviously bad racial reasons. But I think also just because, like, you just get the vibe that like that whole situation was a fucking clusterfuck, right? Like Snyder drops, they bring in Whedon. He's the Marvel guy. DC blows. They know they blow. They're trying to salvage this movie. They must have put a lot of pressure on all kinds of different people to do different things. Like, and you know, no one else was like commenting on it. And some of the things, like some of the ways that Ray Fisher went about it, like weren't, you know, people didn't like, I guess from the commentary I read, I don't have a strong opinion about it either way, but um, clearly there's something in him that's not going away still. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, he's not Kevin Spacey. I mean, I think we, you know, we need to we need to be able to differentiate between a shitty boss and a predator. Yeah. Or um in other in you know, in other stories, you know, the difference between a a shitty boyfriend and a predator. Um and I think that Whedon does based on everything we've heard, doesn't fall into the world of predator. He definitely falls into the world of shitty boss and a boss who is so shitty that he should um be exposed for his shittiness mm -hmm. um especially because he is not equally shitty to everyone i know that's a bad distinction but there is something worse about like you know hey this guy's a bear to work with but um he gets good results and he's you know he's an equal opportunity shithead <laughs> versus you know what? Well, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, 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 no, that's why I said in some it, ways it's worse and in some ways it's not. It's hard to it's weird to in, think about. But yeah. And in some ways, you like if, if there's someone, a director, for example, who has a reputation for being, you know, a, a difficult to work with, et cetera, et cetera. You as an actor, uh, to a certain extent, you can opt in or opt out of working with that person. I understand that in much that most of the people who work in Hollywood are not in a position where they can opt in or out of projects based on who's leading them. But um, I don't feel like Joss Whedon was like hand hassling the grips. You know, it feels like his issue is with actors. But um, yeah. the only thing that, that came out that was like 
was like they said that there was some unofficial rule on set that he wasn't allowed to be in a room alone with um, Melissa Trachtenberg, which was a Buffy's sister added in the yeah. f- fifth season. And she was like yeah. 15. And it's like, what is and that? And no one said what that means yeah. or meant. But like, once there, again, we didn't get any like, no one said like he, you know, used his power to get sex or assaulted me or anything like that. But like, you're just like, well, what does that mean? Like, yeah, that's I mean, a, the, that's the a, implications there, but <laughs> the implication, um, <laughs> bad choice uh, words, yeah, I guess, no, that's, but. that's, that's difficult. And, 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 and predators are worse than shitty bosses. And, you know, like we also heard about Marilyn Manson recently, and that's clearly a, you know, that transcends shitty boyfriend and goes to predator. Right. Uh, or what we're hearing about, uh, uh, Chris D'Elia, the comedian, that looks like Predator. Um, right. and, and I think we need to differentiate. But Joss Whedon, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, I'm, I'm fine with a cancellation of Joss Whedon at this point. <laughs> I, 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 well, I mean, quality of his work aside, I, I don't think that I don't think that what he that the behavior that he's exhibited and apparently continues to exhibit uh, is is forgivable or excusable. And, and we don't need to give this guy any more money. Yeah, I'm actually he's got enough. Now. Yeah, uh, he's done enough. Um, and like I said, if there was some sort of, you know, recognition and acknowledgement, maybe there'd be a chance for Miss Savage's career. But, right. You know. uh, or, you know, and, and you hear a lot of, you know, occasionally uh, I, I don't have an example off the top of my head of, you know, you'll hear some stories about, oh, back in, you know, whatever, whatever days, you know, such and such a person, you know, did this unacceptable thing. And they will come out and say, yes. I used to be that way, but I haven't, you know, I haven't been that way in a decade and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. That's a different thing than, you know, I did this back in the 90s and also two years ago. (laughs) Right. And also just like, I'm just too good to respond to any of you kind of thing. Right. I don't Um, owe anyone an apology. Right. Because I think the two good examples of like, and these are probably even less in the range, you know, if there's a spectrum, right? Joss Whedon's somewhere in the middle of like, Shitty boss, you know, going into the abusive territory far end, you've got predator. And then on the other end, you've got people. I think the two examples you could look at are like Louis C.K. and Aziz Ansari, where it's like, eh, you guys did some sounds like you guys did some pretty shitty things, but didn't well, seem to be like endemic. And Louis both kind of engage with it and then are both kind of coming back out after taking some time. I don't know. I didn't really so follow I, Louis closely. But. So. Louis, um, I think Louis's cancellation is uh, was deserved, and um, and I don't believe that he has made sufficient amends. I think it's possible for him to make amends, or at least there was a window, but I think we're out of that. Uh, so, yeah, very quick recap of horrible story, but Louis, um engaged in uh let's not call it necessarily predatory behavior but he definitely um made uh unwelcome advances uh to the extent of exposing himself to female comics and then uh when those encounters didn't go the way he had hoped uh he essentially threatened to use his clout within the comedy scene to destroy these uh, comics careers if they didn't keep it a secret. Oh, yikes. I didn't know that second bit. Uh, yes. 
Um, so, so you could, you could just the first half, you could be like, okay, maybe this guy is super bad at flirting. Um, it's gross, but, but then when you add in the, like, he was, he was using his position of power within the, the comedy world to, um, coerce women either into, you know, uh, sex or into keeping quiet about his proclivities. Um, I do think it's possible or there was a time where, you know, a, a an apology and a make good um, could have made a difference. Like, for example, if he had said, you know, I have had I've had personal conversations with all of the women involved and um, I'm, you know, I'm going to use, you know, I'm committing to like opening a comedy club for you know female comics in new york so that you know i can you know hopefully undo some of the damage i've done for the next generation of female comics something like that you know like Mm -hmm. more than just an apology i'm also doing something material uh aziz um the last i heard i'm assuming there was only one scandal but what i heard about aziz really sounded a lot more like this was a this was a consensual sexual encounter that was not great. It was a bad date um, that made the woman feel uncomfortable, but there was never an imposition of power. There was never a, you know, coercive element. Um, it was just he was a, a little grosser in sexy times than she was comfortable with, but never in a way where it was threatening or coercive or anything like that. Yeah, um, like like. You know, probably bordered into from what I read, because I thought that a little closer, like bordered into like the somewhat non-consensual, but the kind that's like not to eliminate someone's personal culpability, but like the kind of things that like we as society have not trained individuals well to communicate, uh, asking for consent, giving consent, all these kind of things because of patriarchal norms and whatever. And and I think that culturally there's there's a certain accepted you know once we're engaged in the act somebody might try something that the other person isn't 100 percent okay with and you try to signal uh, maybe not that and Mm -hmm. you try to move on sometimes that sometimes that works sometimes the other person doesn't get the message the first time i feel like we extend to each other a certain amount of grace in these particular interactions and everything I read in the account of what went down with Aziz didn't seem to me like anything other than an especially clumsy sexual encounter uh, where, you know, again, we've all been there. You, you know, you're especially if it's your first time with a person, you're finding out where the boundaries are as you go. And sometimes you need to be corrected. But um, to me, that's just an accepted part of human beings having sex with relative strangers. Yeah, that's fair. (laughs) Um, Like, yeah, sometimes we're not psychic. We don't always know what the other person's going to be into until you actually, you know. Right. Especially if there's booze involved or whatever else. And right. And, um, and, and, And that story sounded a lot like the kind of bad, awkward date that we all have been on. Um at one point or another in our lives. But yeah. Um, and I, I also think that, you know, once again, like to the counterpoint where Louie or for Joss Whedon, it's like Aziz did try to, you know, he apologized. It seems like he, yes. he really tried to, to make good on it. I think. And it, it he, didn't you know, seem he always like, could do more, but sure. But it didn't seem like there was any point 
in that story where he was like, uh, you better not tell anybody about this because you know who I am. Right. Or, hey, why don't you come back to my apartment and maybe I can get you a gig on my Netflix show. Right. Like there, it never seemed like there was any kind of anything like that or, you know, any kind of efforts on his part to take advantage of the power imbalance. Mm-hmm. Um, it just seems like, uh, you know, um, he was he was looking for certain things that she was not. And uh, at the end of the day, he was generally receptive to her pushback. Yeah. Which I I mean, I don't think that's grounds for for cancellation, but um, that's also me. I'm not saying I'm the end all authority on this. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, interesting. But this is part of the conversation of like, you know, where do we as a society uh, draw the line on the kinds of behaviors that we're willing to cancel a celebrity for? And I think that we absolutely should have the power to cancel people because we fucking pay them. They work mm-hmm. for us. If we mm-hmm. decide we don't want them to do that anymore, you know, I don't I mean, and, and when we cancel somebody, we're basically saying we're not going to buy your stuff anymore. We're basically boycotting their products. We don't owe them anything. I don't mm-hmm. like I'm under no obligation to continue to, you know, like pay for Louis C.K. specials. Yeah. Or, you know, so, you know, but I think that, you know, if, if we're willing to put the social pressure on our peers to disengage with what, you know, with a certain creator, uh, we as a society should, you know, have open conversations about like what is cancel worthy. Right. I mean, I think we had, we had a good discussion about this, you know, when was it God, two years ago, maybe or a year ago, I don't mm. even know, two years ago, at least, you know, I think one of the watershed moments for that was James Gunn, right? Like, yes, someone tried to take, you know, the conservative people who are like railing against cancel culture, like are like, Oh, we're going to go target somebody liberals like. And it's like, well, no, like he said those things. He apologized. It was years ago. Like the con. I, I my point is that I feel like I haven't seen thus far a situation where I was like, you know, like, oh, that was undeserved cancellation or that wasn't a punishment that was like uh, proportional. Like I'm trying yeah, to think and- of someone I know who like, quote unquote, got canceled when I was like, no, that seems OK. Or like that's shitty. But like. I can't really I feel like most of the punishment has been um, let me put it this way. I don't think any punishment has been too harsh outside of that James Gunn situation, which was then rectified because it was well, too harsh. And anytime we're talking about cancellation of, the, you know, this kind of person, um, we're talking about a millionaire who is millionaires who are who lose opportunities to become multi multi millionaires. You know, Correct. it's not like we're putting them out on the street. Right. Exactly. It's not like, you know, Joss Whedon loses his job and now he, you know, <laughs> got right. to file for unemployment. Um, and yes, there are some people in America who do lose, you know, who are, you know, just regular ass workers who lose their job because of some wild shit they say on Facebook, That's which true. is a shame. And I'm sure there are some people out there who probably, uh, um, you know, who, who who probably have felt the hammer unjustly. Yeah, um, I should have I would clarified hope. that I meant in the celebrity world. Yeah, uh, yeah, and um, I mean the big, the bigger, the bigger cancel culture conversation that the right wing is using today is the the unsaid thing is it's Dr. Seuss today, tomorrow it's going to be you. That's right. the unspoken or piece. There, the Bible, that, right? They're going to come after. 
they're going to come after you for expressing similar views in your workplace. Right. It's all culture which, war bullshit. To which I would say, if you have a history of expressing those views in your workplace, yeah, yep. maybe you shouldn't have a job. <laughs> yep. If your boss or your coworkers don't want to be around you because you're constantly saying racist shit, they have the right to not want to work around you. If your yep. boss doesn't want you, you know, because you're saying things that, you know, either reflect badly on the company or that he your 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 boss feels is going to make the rest of the staff uncomfortable, that's the way she goes, man. Um yeah, and but, I guarantee you 20 years ago, if 30 years ago and you were in your 30s or whatever and you're in the workplace <laughs> and I was there saying that God doesn't exist or something blasphemous. You probably would have been going to HR or whatever. Like, you know, how many people who express non-dominant culture things like got quote unquote canceled in reality? It was just being oppressed. Well, right? I mean, it's it's uh, yeah. I mean, you, you used to get fired for having tattoos. Right. Um, or, or, you know, not having the right haircut. Um, it's, well, depending on how the next you know, a couple legislative sessions go, you can still get fired because uh, your boss thinks you're wearing the wrong clothes for your genitals. Right. Like, you know, um, your, your, your boss thinks that, you know, the, the, that's really more of a penis outfit. So I need you to leave. <laughs> um, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's a thing. Um, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, we should be very careful when we take someone's job away and, and you shouldn't do it because they made a bad joke on Twitter. Right. If they're always making bad jokes on Twitter and in the workplace and or engaging in, I don't know, I'm just going to pick randomly from the air here, uh, insurrection, um, then yeah. That's the sort of thing where, yes, but I mean, we have to be careful. I mean, I think that, you know, um, I, I forget what podcast I was listening to. Maybe it was Struggle Session where they, they had an interesting point on cancel culture of, you know, bigotry plus power is dangerous. And we should be we should we should focus our efforts on bigots who have power. Right. Or other, whether it's bigotry or some other problematic behavior. And, you know, when when that problematic behavior is exhibited by somebody who doesn't have any power we should maybe take a lighter touch and i think that's a reasonable position but that's fair. um i also that's don't think that you it. should just be like well this particular you know bigot is is a nobody so just let him be a bigot you know yeah. i mean i think that there is there is a concern of like yeah it's a fucking hostile work environment man nobody wants to be well, here yeah. while you're here dude get but out i think you i know, think the that, point that, is that, that the context one. matters and the way you confront it and their relative risk and relative power and relative responsibility, you know, like, yeah. I mean, when you look at something like with, you know, with whatever fucking name is from Mandalorian, it's like for Disney, it's just like, why wouldn't they like there's a moral imperative to do it. There's a business imperative to do it like. And, and I'm sure she, she signed a contract. It's, I'm sure she signed a contract that yeah. said you work for Disney now, which means you have to. You have to maintain the Disney brand in your uh, in your social media. Right. I'm sure she signed something like that and, and yeah. opted in. Don't care. <laughs> yep. Do not care whatsoever. And also, she said some heinous shit. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's 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 not just and, that, and that's the thing where I think a lot of this conversation gets 
corrupted by the right and and they're smart for doing it this way but like it's not like she was out there on twitter saying like i believe in limited government and i'm gonna vote for a republican (laughs) right Right. she was out there like you know saying some pretty pretty spicy things and also like making some public health claims that are definitely dangerous things to do if you're a fucking Mm -hmm. public figure yeah, you know? and I mean, like, they act like, you know, I say there are plenty of celebrities who, like, are well-known people who are, like, generally vote Republican or are conservative. People we know and like, you know, and, but they're not on Twitter, like you said, saying all these particularly heinous things, like, and they still right. get work. They're not getting canceled. Like, this whole, like you said, this reframing it as, like, you're being, you know, uh, canceled for your political beliefs is just, it's, like you said, it's smart, but it's fucking bullshit. <laughs> Well, well, yeah, no, you, and, 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 and that's the, it's the conflation of, you know, political beliefs with certain extreme viewpoints. Like I can imagine that, you know, I would hate to be fired for saying something like, um, you know, uh, ah, you know, vote Bernie. Like, yeah. But if I said, you know, but if I started like, you know, like talking about guillotines and, right. <laughs> you know, um, you know, talking about like, hey, go get your bolt cutters so we can, uh, you know, so that we can seize some rich people's mansions tonight. Um, you know, the conquest of bread starts today. Uh, that's that's a little different. <laughs> if I was calling yeah. for violent revolution, you know, um, different thing. Uh, or, you know, if I started like going out there posting, you know, um you know, posting tanky shit that, you know, like denied the starvation deaths, uh, you know, under Stalin. Like, yeah, that's fucked up. Yeah. Um, and, and that's the kind of thing that's like, yeah, maybe that person shouldn't, you know, may, I would imagine my coworkers not maybe not wanting to be around me anymore <laughs> or, you know, my company saying like, yeah, we don't really want to be associated with somebody who, you know, wants to behead the aristocracy. I don't I don't want to actually behead the aristocracy. Okay. I just want to go back two steps. Is that a thing people do with the Stalin starvation deaths? Uh yeah. Uh there's a uh, we we call them tankies. What's a, what's a tanky? A, t- a tanky is a leftist who is uh and I'm oversimplifying here, but they are often apologists for um uh, uh authoritarian um communist regimes. Mm. Um, now sometimes that takes the form of just, you know, you know, you might be like now, you know, Mao was, you know, did a lot of extreme things and I don't agree with all of them, but you know, I, I still think that, you know, uh, revolutionary and authoritarian communism is a necessary step, but blah, 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 blah. That's one Uh, kind of tanky. And then there's other kind of tankies who will genuinely downplay the atrocities of, you know, uh, Mao or Stalin or other, you know, authoritarian communists, Mm -hmm. you know, where it borders on denialism. Um, now to be fair, there is a fair amount of, you know, uh, um, overstatement of, you know, some of the atrocities of, you know, uh, authoritarian communist, but, uh, there were atrocities. And <laughs> I feel like if you were trying to say like, it wasn't 10 million, it was more like eight. I'm like, fuck you, man. It's still too many. <laughs> um, uh, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, I've seen, yeah, the, I've seen bits of the first example you gave, like on Reddit floating around. I was just like, Hmm. I didn't really dove deeper, but I didn't realize it 
delves so far. I mean, you have to imagine that there's an opinion. Everyone has every opinion. Like there's a sorry, that's not true. What I meant to say is that there is an opinion for everybody out there. So I guess I shouldn't be surprised. But yeah. um, I mean, everybody who dies in their car on the way to work is uh, is is their their death should be added to the capitalism death toll. But I'm not a tanky. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Uh, yes. This took us down a weird road, which How is not did unusual. We get here? Oh, um, right. I was talking about the kinds of sh- the kinds of lefty shit I could conceivably post as right, a right, counterexample right. to the more extreme uh, fashy shit that uh, gets posted and get and people get fired for. Yeah, I'm with you. Interesting. <sighs> so this episode was WandaVision and cancel culture. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I do think we should cancel our culture. We could just start over with a better one. That's that's reasonable. I'm pro cancel. I'm pro canceling culture. I want to cancel American culture. It's All right, fucking we'll, awful. We'll put you down for it. Um, if anyone's surprised, um, I have some more stuff to talk about, but it's late. I'm sleepy. It it is late, and 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 we are sleepy because we're old. Well, maybe uh, we can record a little sooner, and then I can tell you about things like the Witcher books and this game Valheim everyone's playing. Yes, you have been. You have been. You you've been. <laughs> In Messenger, you have been routinely trying to start conversations with me about Valheim that always come when I'm like half asleep or whatever, and then we end up talking about something else. Have I? Um, I at least once or twice. Okay. Um, I saw Jordan's plan too. So I've been hearing a lot about it on on the internet. Um, yeah, I think we need to talk about those things. We need to talk about Attack on Titan. Ooh, I'll try and uh, are- pick that back up before our next episode. Yeah, man. Because I got to tell you, the anime is heating up. And uh, also, we're like one issue away from the end of the of the comic. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of I haven't good. actually li- watched it since last time we talked. So, oh, okay. Well, I, I just really up. I really fell off in the third season. I gotta just jump back in and push through a little bit. I think I think I'll get there. Also, I think uh, after three delays, I think the final Evangelion movie is getting released. I think next week. Oh God damn it! So. We could watch the rebuild rebuild movies once a once a uh, a sub comes out for the new one. Uh, so that's something we could talk about. I'm in. Ah, good, good. Plus good, my good, uh, good. my new my friend is staying with me, and he is Mr. Anime Keith, and uh, I'm sure he would be down to watch them with me. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to me dragging him watching through the expanse. Now he likes it, but I was like, we're going to watch this together because I want to watch it again. And you're here now. So enjoy. Because we should also talk. Sorry. Cause Greg hasn't, Greg's been doing me dirty on the expanse. So yeah, I guess I could start watching the show. I think that's what I said I was going to do. Cause the books weren't grabbing me. Um, uh, also we should talk about library at Mount Char. Cause I finished that a while back. And we oh should talk about yeah, that a little yeah. Bit. yeah. Yeah. That'll be a good one. Um, yeah. Okay, well, we've got our list then. Yeah, it's a good list. It is a good list. That sounds like a really, it's a weird list, but I like it. I I, I like a weird list. <laughs> oh, I was going to tell you about the cereal challenge we're doing. We'll save it for next time, too. I'll have more information what? then. I'm very confused. <laughs> My, uh, one of our fun little, like, we're going a little crazy from COVID is I decided we're doing, um, we're just going down the grocery store aisle and just every week we'll just, we're just going to buy a new kind of cereal and we're rating it on a number of categories to which I'm then going to put an Excel sheet and then probably make Power BI dashboards to explore our scores. And if you see anything, if you see anything about brand or amount of sugar or fiber and relative uh, deliciousness, 
Um, we're only like three or four cereals in, but I should have a lot more by the time next time we talk. You're it a sounds lunatic. like a, a, I don't know. This kind of sounds like a, a thing Greg and Karen would do together for one of Karen's articles. You know, eat eighteen different kinds of Oreos and talk about them or I whatever. Mean, I I would I I I I I do like a good spreadsheet, but um, <laughs> I feel like you're quantifying qualitative judgments, which. Now we're getting into my whole social science thing, and I'm I'm crossing the streams here, man. That's fine. We can cross streams a little bit. Um, I'm also doing a lot more survey work now, so I guess we're both going to cross the streams. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just turn it into a work podcast. That'll be fun, won't it? Uh, which is weird because um, I'm now going to be having podcast conversations at work because um, we have a... Uh, we have a, a a podcast that is released by our marketing department, and when they heard that I produce podcasts, they wanted to be able to sit down and have a little brain dump on uh, some production tips I could give them. Uh, plus, I'm going to have to do a focus group about the podcast content. So, good God, it's all good it's God. all coming together. I good God. <laughs> That's great. That's awesome. I got a little bit of that too, where it's like, wait, you do podcasts? You want to talk about for work? I'm like, I'm not, I don't do anything. I just show up and talk. Don't talk to me about it. <laughs> when I leave this building, well, we don't leave the building anymore, but at five o'clock, I go into a fucking pod and I get back out at 8 a.m. Well, also, there, I, I just have, have no life have, outside of this. I have complete plausible deniability because like, you literally do everything for this show. So I can just always be like, I, I, I've never even opened the software. Sorry. Somebody that's, yeah. <laughs> very good all right, all right buddy it was good to catch up and and uh talk about some some interesting and disappointing but nonetheless uh fruitful discussion points 